Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's happened to Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast? What? Me? Who? Here I am. And it's it's shocking, quite frankly, that I still know how to use a microphone. Can you believe it? And I've been sitting here. I've been staring at it. I've been trying to use it. I just remembered I unlocked the secret. Oh, you're talking to this end. See, I've been talking to the other end the whole time. No show has come out that's been worth putting up. So I thought to myself, well, I'll get the hang of this eventually. And then you know how time gets away from you. It's ridiculous, correct? Uh, I have been, I just stare at the microphone like a, like a monkey with an egg beater. It's fucking ridiculous, quite frankly. Um, I like that monkey with an egg beater. That should be the name of the show. You can't name the show after what's happened in the first 30 seconds. Although what if I ended the show now? You know what you guys can get me at? What if I did that? What if I just locked it down? Uh, You know what? Baby steps. Let's do a 45 second show, build up to a minute and a half show, get to a five minute show. It's like when I started this podcast 8 billion years ago, uh, you know, the first show is the first show is 20 minutes. 22 minutes, I believe. Uh, and then I did a 47 minute show like four weeks later. And I thought, my God, I, I've got to rein this in. I've got to go ahead and grab the reins. Now, the last show I did, uh, you might not be aware of this. I did a show on Christmas Day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that was four and a half hours, just over four and a half hours. And uh, and that's long. That's really long. That's fucking you know what that is? That's uh, that's longer than Suicide Squad. And, I, and I'm talking about the Snyder Cut. Not even the, oh, actually, this is Justice League. Didn't he do Justice League? He didn't even do the Suicide Squad. It's, you know, it might be longer than both Suicide Squads put together now that I think about it. Go go Google it. I'm not even kidding. Holy fuck, that's a sad thing. I tried to make a Snyder reference, and I'm actually right. It's actually longer than two, that's longer than both Godfathers, <laughs> I think. See, who thinks, who thinks they should be talking for that long? Who could possibly listen for that long? But I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, because I put that show out and then a, a friend of mine who I won't name, who was very close to me, wrote me and said, uh, I can't believe you can do this. I can't believe you can be entertaining or interesting for this length of time. And I was like, I was very touched by that. And so what I had decided to do then was not do a show for a month. That's what I did. I said, I'm going to hide uh, under the coats, which are on top of the bed. I'm going to hide in a hole in a boat in a goat with a moat in the hole in the bottom of the sea. And never put out a podcast again. Or or I'll rally. That's what I'll do. I'll wait. Because here's... Look, traditionally, as you know, we always skip January. <laughs> uh, 
Ah, that made me laugh. Traditionally, as you know, at this show, quite frankly, if there's one thing you can rely on for this show, uh, we always skip January. It's our normal hiatus. We we figure out what we get Christmas and New Year's out of the way, and then woof, we just go ahead and lock it down for January. We refresh ourselves. We recharge our batteries. We do something else with the word letters R-E in it, and we make sure everything is fine. We reconnoiter back, and we listen to the old shows from last year. We study. We try to improve. And then we come back out strong on February 1st and go, hey, everybody, this is me now. Just, ooh, I took a, I took a month off to, to go ahead and jog. That's what I did. I went out and jogged. I ran around the neighborhood and thought to myself, ah, I could be talking into a microphone. What's a microphone? Oh, it's, a, it's an egg beater. I'm a monkey with an egg beater, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I've become hooked on the, the, uh, that that's a, that's a crutch now, ladies and gentlemen, I've been saying it a lot when I do Twitch broadcasts and I know you're like, wait a minute, you haven't put out a fucking podcast in a month and you're still doing Twitch broadcasts. Yes. And I, and I, you know what I did? I lay this in your lap. My mouth is dry. Hold on. I lay this right in your lap, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, you can be out there and be like, dude, like, where's your podcast? What the fuck, man? But I tell you this, I've been on Twitch every day. Well, not every day, but Monday through Friday. And, and and for at least two hours a day, you could find me on there and hear some genius stuff. I don't know about genius stuff. And actually, this month we've started playing fucking Red Dead Redemption again. So it's not like I'm talking too much. Uh, in the old days, oh my goodness, I would talk for an hour, hour and a half, and then go, hey, maybe let's play a game. But now uh, we buckled down. And we've gone back into horse opera because there are people out there who want to see me shoot a, a traveler. They want to see me rob a stagecoach. You know, in all the years you've listened to this podcast, don't deny it. You've been waiting for the day I rob a stagecoach, haven't you? Well, I'm doing it every day on Twitch, for fuck's sake. And now, by the way, I plug that, and I won't be on Twitch for the next week. <laughs> so I tell you about it, so you mark it down. Next time I'm on Twitch, it's going to be February 8th. Go ahead and check me out on February 8th on Twitch. I'm doing the plugs early. I should do You know what? I, all right, I got to do a lot of fucking stuff early, because I have been gone for a while. And here's the... All right, let's... First of all, as I said, we traditionally skip January. We're here now for February 1st. Uh, and as always, our, our February shows are a tribute to Black History Month. So let's talk about George Washington Carver and peanut butter, right? Because that's the only thing white people know about Black History Month. Black, black people, like, you ask white people, they're like, well, I think that guy invented peanut butter, right? And then uh, there was something to do with a fire hose in the 60s. That was something we don't want to talk about in February. Uh, and then Michael Jordan came along. The end. That's pretty much Black History Month for all white dudes. Uh, until you, but then you find some people who are just like, oh, but you don't realize there was a black guy who invented the clock. I'm like, what? I didn't know that happened. And and I guess that's fine. I mean, anybody who's who's going and rallying, being like, ah, you didn't know that a black guy invented forks, did you? And I'm like, no, I had no fucking idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, you, you should really fucking talk about that kind of stuff. Why? Who cares? There's forks. Yay. So let's give credit to the fork guy from a million years ago. No, it's why stop going into the past. The past is prologue, certainly, but the past is not anything we need to explore. Stop digging up the past. Don't bring me it's because that happens. Dude, again, as I've mentioned before, we are eating ourselves. We all everybody goes out and finds some ridiculous thing that somebody said in the in the, the old days. And look, I don't say this just as a guy who said a lot of ridiculous things in the old days. I, I am waiting for that shit to be unearthed. I just saw a slam cut of something that freaked me the fuck out. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, you can make anybody look stupid by doing this kind of stuff. Anyway, let's not get into that because I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about our lives, man. Let's talk about what you guys. are doing. You know what? I'm going to give you the floor. We're a few minutes into this now. Why don't you catch me up on what you got going on? It's fucking January. Well, it's not January anymore. <laughs> 
It's actually February 1st when you'll be hearing this, uh, but it's still January here. I'm clinging to January life here at my house. Uh, th- that's a lie. I just lied to you on a podcast. It's 4.42 a.m. on Tuesday morning, February 1st, and I'm on a plane in a couple of hours because I'm going to Chicago, and I'm going to say this right now. Why did I lie to you about what day it was? Um, that's weird. Why? That's just like, that's like uh, weird sociopath stuff to lie about small stuff why the fuck would i lie you and but then again i could tell you i recorded this because this is totally true i have a chunk of the show that i recorded on january 6th that like for 32 minutes and then i just went eh and then i saved it because i was like well don't fucking scrap it uh because god god knows we got <laughs> when they go through my archives after i die they're gonna want to go ahead and say oh well look at this here's an unearthed nugget from mike of 32 minutes uh will they put it on patreon maybe i don't know I got another thing, too, I was going to put on Patreon. It's like an hour of me talking, uh, essentially, eh, not really talking politics the whole fucking time, but it's it's stop-start for an hour on Twitch. And, and that's another thing, you know, I talk about it on Twitch, and then I go to talk about it in here, and I'm like, wait, did I already talk about this? Uh, my brain is all fucked. I need a handler. I need I need a team. I, I, I need all of these things, quite frankly, uh, because I need I need somebody. To, I, I want somebody to love somebody. That's what I'll tell you right now. Uh, I just need somebody to fucking grab me by the lapels. And let's, here's the thing. I don't, I'm going to do this because I have to, all right? Because we're getting, we're calling this, this is a reboot. This is a reset. This is me back and talking, even though there won't be a show this Thursday, the show's coming out on Tuesday. So this is this week's show. I won't be back until next Tuesday. And then we'll be back on a schedule next week. See, this is the thing. This is the talk is cheap part of the show where I tell you things I'm going to do. And then I don't do them. And, and and, and then I hate myself and I go into a spiral and then I hide and then I get mad at myself and I know you're mad at me, even though you're not. And people have been very kind. People have reached out and they're, they're very gentle about it. They're very nice. And they, they're, they're, <laughs> I, I don't know if they're worried they're going to make me mad or if they're worried that I'm going to jump off a fucking bridge. I don't know because it, and at this point, who knows? It's a coin flip. It's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Quite frankly, I might, maybe I just, you know what? Maybe I just go the full package. Maybe I get so mad I jump off a bridge. Who knows? Um, I've had to text people and tell them, look, I, I haven't, I'm not harming myself. Please don't, I, there's no hurt going on. I mean, I'm, I'm angry at myself. Certainly I'm mentally murdering myself every goddamn day, but that's never going to manifest itself because, uh, you know, I love myself too much. I can't hurt myself or put myself on a shelf. Well, I mean, I can put myself on a shelf as I've done for the past month. Certainly we've uh, ignored any and all sort of call from people to go ahead and do a show. And people have been, again, very nice, very kind. Uh, I'm going to make a public apology here right now. And, and, uh, it's silly to do because again, talk is cheap and words and you guys are mad. And I, again, I'm, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, just so you kind of understand if you're, by the way, if you're new to the show, the show's not like this all the time. I fucking, well, it's like this where I'm fucking scatterbrained, but it's not this thing where I'm uh, constantly apologizing and then rehashing stuff. Although recently it seems like it has been because every time I, I don't do a show for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, I have to give this little disclaimer again. It feels like the, the kind of disclaimer you get before television shows where like uh, parental discretion is advised, you know, before every, every time, even though you watch the show every week, they still give you that thing and you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, we get it. Parental discretion is advised. Well, my parents aren't here, so fuck that. Watch, let me watch somebody get hit in the head with a hammer. I demand to see it. Uh, and this and this show is, is certainly no different. Although I, if I hit myself in the head with a hammer, it would be a less inter- entertaining show, certainly. Although maybe, you know what, would that translate if I just fucking beat myself in the head with a hammer? But I'd probably pass the fuck out eventually and then I would I post it? It would just keep recording while I was out. Would you hear me drooling or snoring? Uh, how would you hear me drooling? That's got to be some high fucking velocity drool. Jesus fucking Christ. Can you imagine that? If you hear somebody drool, that's like alien shit when the alien opened its mouth and the dripping stuff fucking started. 
And Ripley's like, get over here, you bitch, whatever the fuck. Or no, actually, who does it? When we first saw it in Alien, it opened its mouth and it was like, and then the jaw comes out like, hey, and then it strikes, cha-cha. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it did the cha-cha. Maybe it did. Was it the sound of a dance? Arr, waltz. Uh, that's what the uh, jaw from the alien does. It makes the noise of a dance. Cha-cha. And I will tell you this, according to Sam Cooke, everybody loves to cha-cha-cha. Was he singing about the alien? I don't know. Was he singing about the xenomorph? Who knows? I can't get to the head of one Sam Cooke covered in burning grits. Uh, was he the guy covered in burning grits? I always mix them up. It might, it could have been, look, Curtis Mayfield had a stage fall on him and, uh, and Marvin Gaye got shot by his dad. And I think Sam Cooke had burning grits tossed on him. And, uh, uh, there's, uh, who else is there? Uh, who am I thinking of? Bobby Womack. What about, what happened to Bobby Womack? A bad thing. Bobby Womack was in, he was a dude who like fucked everybody's girl. And then he wound up in fucking arguments. And he was, I think somebody shot him in the leg. Somebody shot Bobby Womack in the leg. Somebody threw burning grits on Sam Cooke. Marvin Gaye's dad shot him. And, uh, of course, Curtis Mayfield was was had a, had a stage collapse on him. And this is something you don't know. This is completely true. You know who pushed that stage on the Curtis Mayfield? Marvin Gaye's father. You're goddamn right. This is, this is a dude who did not like 70s soul. He didn't care for it. You know what? And that's the thing. You would think he would be a guy who would enjoy it. But he heard his son. He's like, nah, man, I, what's going on? You are ruining the family legacy by singing these songs. That's what's going on. Uh, and then he he actually killed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> who is the girl? I can't remember her fucking name. Marvin Gaye's girl who they sang. Taylor? What the fuck? Ah, damn it. This would have been a much cleaner bit if I would have pulled her name. Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, that's who it was. She, he actually killed the quarterback from the Houston Texans, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, is he on the Texans now? I think he is. He took the place of our friend Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, all right, let's talk about Deshaun Watson for just a second. Uh, first of all, let's refresh your memory about the Chicago Bears. A couple of years ago, uh, they had the number three pick in the draft. And they needed a quarterback. And there were quarterbacks coming out in the draft. There was a uh, there was a Deshaun Watson coming out in the draft. Uh, there was a, a Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you've ever heard of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, if you've never heard of Patrick Mahomes, turn on your TV and wait. And it's going to be five minutes before you see his face in a commercial because he is relentlessly shoved down your throat. And I will tell you this. He's extremely good in those commercials. He's very funny in those commercials. Uh, he, he knows his way around light comedy. He certainly can sell you insurance if he wants to and, and head and shoulders. I don't understand the head and shoulders connection, though. I don't understand dandruff shampoo that needs athletes. Although I but I also have to say this getting Troy Palomalu in the commercial with his fucking amazing hair. It's a genius idea. But I would think like Wella Balsam or Yucca Doo or some other fucking shampoo would go ahead and scoop these guys up because head and shoulders is less a shampoo and more a medicine. Correct. It's like because it, if you ever use head and shoulders, look, when I was a kid, I had to use it. Uh, don't ask. But head and shoulders is a. Uh, it's a thick blue viscous liquid. It's essentially, it's the consistency of blue Pepto-Bismol and you're rubbing it into your head. Uh, you know how you get an upset stomach, you chug the pink fucking cement? Well, here you go. Head and shoulders, you just rub blue cement into your fucking head and eventually all the flakes decide to adhere themselves to their scalp because the head and shoulders just, I don't, here's how I picture head and shoulders. Because again, everybody's like, because how did what it's because it's medicine. Fuck it. It's not shampoo. This is why I say it's more medicine, because if if it was a shampoo, it would just clean your hair. But instead, it's a fucking medicine. So it fucking it, it bullies the fucking dandruff flakes into staying in their spot. It's like a, it's like if all right, here's your dandruff flakes were sheep. And they were running wild and they were running off of the, uh, the your your fields and your your meadows and climbing down onto your shoulders, climbing down from the mountain. Let's look at this. Let's like let's take a look at your head is the Matterhorn. And it's covered in sheep 
All of your sheep are up there. And then your sheep are starting to book and they're heading down to your shoulders. And everybody's like, oh, Jesus Christ, look at that. He descending into the valley off of the Matterhorn. Uh, these dandruff flake sheep are lurking and we don't know what the fuck to do about it. And you know what you do? You go buy a motherfucking sheepdog. You go buy uh, a border collie in a bottle. And that's what I'm calling fucking head and shoulders. You go ahead and pour this blue cement into your hand and you rub it into your head. And it's uh, it's just like glue. It just glues. It doesn't cure anything. It doesn't fix anything. All it's doing is it's sticking your sheep back down the Matterhorn. It's just, it's just keeping your dandruff flakes in place. It's not curing your dandruff. And by the way, what is dandruff? I mean, it's just, is it a psoriasis? Is it an eczema? Uh, it's terrible, whatever it is. It's a terrible thing. And, and, but it is more common certainly than eczema, right? Eczema is like dandruff for your fucking chest. That's just gruesome. Or your face. What if you had a gruesome dandruff face? That sounds like a guy who fucked Dick Tracy. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, best true heart or test true heart. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get back from the office because uh, have, I don't know if you heard flat face and dandruff face around the fucking roll and they're taking out the city and I have to do something about it because I'm Dick Tracy with a fucking radio on my wrist and a goddamn yellow trench coat and a jaw that could open a can Jesus, you ever see Dick Tracy, the way he was drawn, his nose and his jaw, he looks like they, he literally, you could just jam that jaw into a tin of beans and open it up and fucking suck him down. Uh, I don't know why Dick Tracy wants to open a tin of beans. Why not? Maybe why not? But you think he could dine all over the cities. Dick Tracy could show up and go to fucking uh, uh, Blue Boy's fucking, what was Pacino? Fat Boy? I don't know what he was. It's a sad boy. I don't know. They're all they're all something face and something boy. You know who's really rough? Boy face. Oh my God. That's the worst Dick Tracy villain of all time besides face boy. Uh, or Lifeboy, which is a soap, right? Isn't Lifeboy a soap? I think it is. Safeguard's a soap. I know that. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> now I'm just shouting soaps. Do you see what you've missed for a month? You're like, because everybody's like, they're like, Mike, man, you got to start doing podcasts again. And then I'm name checking Safeguard Soap. And you're like, you know what, Mike? Take another month. We'll see you in March. Why not? Go ahead and March 1st. Bust it open. Open up that egg beater of a microphone and pull your monkey shenanigans out and tell us more about goddamn soap. Oh, dudes, I've got, uh, there's no lie. I've got four different kinds of soap in my, in my cabinet right now. I've got an Irish spring moisture blast. This is very important that you know this. There's Irish spring and then there's Irish spring moisture blast. And, uh, it's totally slippery. Like when I, I don't know what, I don't know what's in it. I don't know what kind of, uh, what kind of potato eating oil they've gotten this fucking soap. I don't know what the Irish have done, uh, but they've gone ahead and renovated this Irish spring to add a moisture blast, a little slickness. And, uh, and it slides all over your body. Very convenient. It's very nice. Get you. Yeah. It turns you on a little bit. Get your nipples hard in the fucking shower. Uh, bang. Your nipples are always hard in the shower anyway, because there's fucking water banging down on you. Yeah. You're, you're just, who generally isn't sexually excited in the shower? You're naked. You're rubbing shit all over yourself. It's sliding. Fucking reach down, grab your cock, kind of a stranger, go left-handed. Why not? Although it's not a stranger. That's, I will tell you this, jerk it off with your left hand now. Uh, the drawback of that is there is no more stranger appeal. Uh, because, you know, everybody's always like, oh, I jerk off with my left hand for the stranger. I've been, I've been jerking off left-handed for years. And, and it's fucking sweet as hell. It's a great move. But it also takes the mystery out of jerk time. <laughs> not the, well, I, there was never mystery to jerk time. I guess it takes the option of mystery. The, you know, because a lot of people are like, ah, oh, I'm bored with my right hand. What I mean, I'm going to switch to a lefty. I guess if I switch to my righty, it would be, it would be, that would be mysterious. Although I have so many fucking centuries behind me of jerking it off with my fucking right hand. It's not like it's going to be any sort of, you know, it'd be like visit an old friend. 
It would just be, you know, you bring your right hand into the mix in there. And you're like, ah, here we go. Fantastic. You know, because you, you get lefty side saddle. That's nothing wrong with that. But, but then you bring in the right hand. You're like, look at me. You guys, you, we, we haven't seen you in years. Let's have some lunch and throw a rope. Why not? Let's do it together. Me and you. You remember the beat, right? One, two, one, two, one, two. Sure. Ah, soaps. Let's talk more about soap. Let's talk about, you know what? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that could be. Let's talk about sex. Salt and pepper and a, and a deadly Spinderella. A salt with a deadly pepper, right? Wasn't that the album? I think it was. Uh, and Spinderella. Those are great names, right? Those are, those are the names. That's that's the uh, Cheston Brock of rap, quite frankly. I mean, there's, a little, there's a lot of great names in rap, all right? When you come up with your, your awesome rap name, uh, you've got to be consider yourself a genius. But if your band is named Salt and Peppa and your DJ is named Spinderella and you name your album Assault with a Deadly Peppa, you, you've done, you don't even, you know what I say? You don't even have to put songs on that album. I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think, I think your work there is done. Assault with a Deadly Peppa and people should open it up and put on the vinyl. I'm going with vinyl, by the way, because I'm an old, old man. Pull out the vinyl. There's no grooves in it at all. It's just, it's just a black disc. And, and you throw it and, and you just throw it on the turntable and there it is spinning around. They're playing no songs, but it doesn't matter because it's been assault with a deadly pepper with DJ Spinderella in the house. Flavor Flav, that's another good rap name. There's a lot of good rap names, folks. Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Ice Tea. I used to joke. Uh, oh, my God, I'm not going to. Uh, I won't bring my joke from 1990 back in, in your faces, but just suffice to say it was. Oh, my God. In 1990, it was great. 32 years ago, I used to kill with a rap joke on stage, and I might be exaggerating a lot of this because there's no videotape to debunk it. You know what? I, it was the best joke ever written. It's the greatest joke of all time. Quite frankly, the last stop closed on because I did the joke once and the fans rioted. And they stormed out and fucking destroyed the building because they were laughing so much. It was like they were, it was like Joker's laughing gas, that joke. It was like Smilex. I would tell the joke. People get a grin on their face. but like, holy shit, let's destroy stuff. They burned the last stop down in Airport Beach. Then they went and burned down the mission. Uh, because <laughs> they want to stay alive. All right, <sighs> guys. Look, here's the thing, man. I uh, I apologize to you again, having not been here. And it's, is it a weak mood to apologize? Probably. And again, like I said, uh, talk is cheap. So telling you stuff is just dumb. Uh, and and saying to you, oh well, this is the way to do this, or this is the way to do that, or I should have done this, or I should have done that, and this is the way it's going to be going forward. I mean, I want it to be certain ways going forward. Certainly, I'm rooting for good things to happen. Um. But I, I will just tell you that I'm, I, uh, you know, once it, once I don't put up a show and then I, I told you, I just, I fucking spiral, man. And then I'm like, well, the best show that you got to do the best show of all time next, even though people are just like, dude, it's cool. We you just talk, do whatever, you, whatever you're going to do. And I know, and you're all very nice and very kind and you reach out and it makes me very happy. And, uh, and I'm, I haven't been here in a month. Christ, I haven't talked to you since Christmas. We missed New Year's Eve. I was, I, you know what I did for New Year's Here, let's talk about that. Let's go talk about New Year's Eve plans. You first. Sounds great. I, uh, myself, New Year's Eve, uh, I don't know, I think I told you my brother got COVID, so there was no holidays to be spent with family, and it's not like I would have spent New Year's Eve with him anyway, quite frankly, but, uh, but New Year's Eve, you know what, and this is, and this is completely true, and it's, and it's what an old man does, quite frankly, and I'm, and look, I don't mind, because it's, uh, right, a lot of things have changed in the past month. I was making a real effort toward, uh, changing my schedule where I would wake up in the morning at a, at a decent hour, like get up at like nine or 10 uh, and go to bed at like one, which was really cool. One or two. And I was like, this is awesome. I like this. And I actually, sometimes I went to bed at midnight and got up at eight. And I was like, I actually, I was really, I have to be honest with you. I was enjoying the change. 
I, uh, as much as I like it late at night in the middle of the night when it's quiet and all that stuff and you know you're alone and nothing bad is going to happen, uh, which as you know, this is very important to me. That's, that's how I live my life. I want to live, I want to survive and be ambulatory and awake during the hours when nothing bad could ever happen to me. If I'm awake at night in my house, that's fucking beautiful. God, I love it. Uh, cause in the daytime, yeah, someone will knock on your door and it's not always Jack and Chrissy taking a step that is new. And, and I, in my house, the kisses are his and his and his, cause there's no hers here. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, in the daytime, anything can happen. You know, you know what drives me crazy is because uh, look and look, I don't answer the door anyway, but I will say this right now in my, in my living room, the blinds are broken, uh, not blinds. I shouldn't say that plural. There's one blind that is askew. Nobody wants an askew blind, but I've got an askew blind. It's, uh, my blinds are slats, you know, and you pull a chain and they open up and then you pull the other chain and then they close and it's, and it's a blackout. There's no, there's no light coming through except now. Uh, and I don't even know how the fuck this happened. One blind has gone into business for itself. And so now it won't, it never goes flat. Right now, all of my, my, my slats are flat. I got flat slats all over the goddamn place, except for this one that's about a two thirds, maybe three quarter turn. So if you, I've, unfortunately I've checked, I've checked. If you were to stop outside my house and look in the blind, you can see me. Because where I sit on the couch, it's 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 dead in the eye line of this goddamn blind, and and so and look, man, you know what? That is a real hindrance to my hiding from the world thing. Because I've had dudes, and and look, normally they don't do it because Amazon dudes are like fucking they're they're in and out. They if they if an Amazon guy could launch your package from the truck on a, off a cannon, they would fucking do it. But unfortunately, a lot of times they have to come in here and those Amazon dudes, I don't even because I look, I've looked into getting that gig because right now things are are tremendously terrifying financially for me. And I'll, I'll get into that later, possibly. But, um, you know, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to drive shit around and I'm like, uh, and I want to drive people around anymore because, again, they carry germs and every other bad thing. And I don't want drunks in my fucking car. And that's when you make your money, whatever. Uh, so I'll probably be delivering dead, dead meat. Uh, or our packages. Now, I don't. I don't want to work for Amazon because, again, as we know, I'm not very good at pissing into bottles. So I just don't think I would go ahead. I because because I don't even know. I always hear that they're like, "Oh my God, you're under some quota. You got 12 hours. You're out on the road. You got to deliver all these packages." And it's like, well, or not, or you could just drive like a normal human being and deliver as many packages as you can in a normal day, and and then and then go home. And I guess that means Bezos will fire you uh, because they what they want to do is they they will not be happy until they grind everyone into dust. They they will not be happy until the entire world is mapped out by Google and the uh, rest of the world is employed by Amazon to drive on those maps. They are Google and Amazon hand in hand have decided to not only take take complete uh, uh stock of all of the streets that are travelable by boat or anything in this country. And then they've now employed the rest of the human race to drive on those streets. I, I, I see the Amazon guys and I, and they dead sprint They're, the Amazon, cause this is the thing. Amazon dudes, in addition to dead sprinting and running to try to do things fast, they will come into my apartment complex and they'll have like seven packages. They'll be carrying all seven. Pa- they look like the fucking chef on on Sesame Street who falls down the stairs and covers himself in goddamn creme brulee and pudding. It's like, dude, fucking really seventeen creme brulees. Oh, 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 and that's the song of seventeen. Although I never, it was only like one to twelve. 
Uh, but still, that dude is—he's taking on far too large of a dessert burden. He is—he is biting off so much more than he can chew, which is ironic because you don't chew desserts, at least the ones he's carrying. It's always pudding and like real fucking non-textured stuff. And I look—I like a dessert with texture. I like a dessert with bite. I like a dessert—a dessert with chew is what I enjoy. I like a dessert that uh, you can bite through with your teeth because you know if you just eat pudding and soup, now you're just telling your teeth fuck off, right? You got teeth, use them. Fucking go to work, man. Hey, whether you're whether you're biting uh, a well done uh, fucking dinner, a, a nice meal, a four course extravaganza with salad, crunchy iceberg lettuce, or you're biting your lady's hip bones, and 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 she's pulling your hair out of your fucking head. God damn, it's been a long time. It was funny. My friend Suzanne wrote me a note, and she's a nurse, and she's like, "Oh my god, I delivered a baby last night." Uh, and she, and she's like, I helped deliver a baby last night. She was so crazy happy. And I'm like, Oh my, that's insane. I am. So that is how, how was it? She's like, Oh my God, it was crazy. And, but I'm so jazzed by it. It was amazing. And I said, I'm just jealous. You got to see a vagina that close up because <laughs> pandemic has been a serious cock block. And, and she wrote me back and she's like, I, you have no idea how hard I laughed at that. I'm like, well, sadly it's the truth. I wish it weren't. But sadly, it is the fucking truth at this point. Um, but if you're eating soft food, again, you just just use your teeth. Just bite them. Just go to work. Just fucking chomp stuff, right? If you're, if you're telling your teeth to fuck off by just fucking eating liquid, because when you break your jaw, yeah, your teeth got to be furious. Like, Because uh, also, look, I'm going to assume teeth are sentient for just a moment here. Let's go ahead and let's, let's buy into that. All right? Let's buy into that premise. Your teeth know what's up. They know what's going on. So all day you're biting shit and they're like fine with it. And then you're brushing them and they're totally happy because it's like you're giving them a bath and they're thrilled. Uh, but then say like you break your jaw. All right. And then uh, teeth are sentient of what's going on inside the mouth, but they don't really know about what's happening outside. So they know there's a big they take a shot again and a couple of them might have been knocked out of place. They're like, oh, my God, what happened to Larry? Uh, when, when, you, when you get hit in the mouth of the tire iron, you get hit in the mouth of the tire iron, two of your teeth fall out. They're like, Larry, what the? Uh, oh, what, what if you accidentally swallow your teeth? People have done that, right? There has to be some sort of accident or fight or car accident where someone accidentally swallowed their teeth. Oh, let, let, let me, I mean, let's, let's do this. Is there any phrase more, more terrifying, more nauseating than, oh my God, I shit out my teeth. Like that's just, that's bad, right? That's, that means you, you had a terrible evening. If you, you've had a terrible evening, if you have to worry about a bicuspid getting caught in your anus, oh, now look, there's nothing wrong with eating ass, but if you're eating from the inside out, we got a problem, man. Again, like I said, that means you took a tire iron to the fucking face and you swallowed a couple of bicuspids. You got a couple of molars going down the fucking wrong way. If you want to spit a molar out, that's fine. Because here, let me ask you this. All right, here's a question we really need to ponder. Now, say somebody punches you in the fucking mouth, right? And you lose two teeth and then you spit them into your hand and then you hopefully run away or try to win the fight, the rest of the fight. Don't try to win the rest of the fight if you're spitting your own teeth out. Let's go. Can we all establish that? I think we can. But then you take those teeth and uh, you go to the hospital, whatever they do to your face, and then you rinse those teeth off. And you know what you do? You put them on your pillow and voila, here comes the tooth fairy and she gives you 50 cents. How fucking amazing is that, right? So even though you got accosted by some white nationalist who busted you in the mouth with a fucking tire iron because you were putting a sign in his face telling him that he, we don't accept his kind around here. Uh, and in the, in the ensuing fray, somehow molars were jarred out of your jawline. You took him home and you, you, you gave him a nice little swab and you put him under the pillow. 50 cents. Look at that. 
I'm assuming it's a quarter per tooth, right? Is that still is that still the going rate? Has it gone up? Has it changed at all? Has Bi- is Biden responsible for that? Well, I, I know he's responsible for gas prices. Is he responsible for the uh, for the other for the for the tooth fairy? Does she have to check with the U.S. government about what the payout is? I don't know if it's still fifty cents. I'm gonna assume it's fifty cents though, because uh, I don't have children and what the fuck. Oh, with my I'd be so like if my kid lost a tooth, I'd give him. I literally would put like a checkbook under the fucking pillow. I would baby my kids. Everybody's like, you should get a dog. I'm like, yes, that's a great idea. Except I can't afford a crown. I, I want to make my dog a king. If I have a dog, I'll put a little crown on him, give him a scepter. Uh, lady dogs that he can fucking rampage on and then fucking take them back to the pound, whatever the fuck. Uh, I think I just, did I just create a dog brothel? I think I did. I think I may have just created a dog brothel. I'm picking up dog. I, I adopt a dog, a dude dog. And then I go get lady dogs from the pound and he gets to fuck the shit out of them. And then I bring them back to the pound. And so this guy's just spreading his fucking seed all over the goddamn place, but it's worth it. Cause he's a King got his goddamn crown on going to work. Just fucking locked up. I turn the hose on him. He doesn't care. He loves it. He just thinks he's fucking in a flash dance fucking tribute. Um, so you get your teeth busted out, right? You take them home, you rinse them off, and you put them under the old uh, pillow, and the tooth fairy's like, yeah, 50 cents, thank you. And then she takes them back to Toothland or whatever the fuck. So, uh, but the other way, we go this way. What if you're in a brawl in the street, somehow, some way, you're, you're, let's say you're in Brazil. Let's just say this. You're in Brazil, and you're at a pro-mask rally. You're like, you know what, man? I'm excited for masks. And then here come Bolsonaro's stormtroopers led by former UFC fighter Vanderlei Silva. Former Pride middleweight champion Vanderlei Silva arrives on the scene with a lot of other Brazilian meatheads, and they are furious at you for your mask stance. And uh, you, not being a smart individual, decide to engage with Vanderlei Silva in a debate about masks. Now, this is a guy. Uh, let's see. What's the, what's the, let's look at his resume. It's only one word. Cage fighter. That's the only thing it has. That's the only thing Vanderlei Silva has on his resume. Cage fighter. Go to right now. Do me a favor. Go to Vanderlei Silva's LinkedIn page. It's it's literally just a, you know what? He doesn't even have a photo. It's just his fist. He just has a picture of his fist and it just says positions cage fighter. That's all the man does. Okay. And uh, and he doesn't agree with your masking stance. And he, so he wants to have a conversation with you about it. And as we've already established, uh, this man, uh, not exactly a conversationalist. Uh, what's the phrase? Talks with his fists put up your dukes, whatever the fuck you want to say. And again, he is truly uh, one of the, the Bolsonaro idiots. All those, all those guys out there who just think for some reason they think they can punch a germ. I don't know. I don't get it. Someone who thinks they're going to put the flu in a rear naked joke. It doesn't make any sense. Someone who thinks they're going to give a fucking Jujigatame to cancer. It's never going to happen. And yet for some reason they believe it. They believe it now until later when they get cancer and then they start their GoFundMe and they're sad. Because that's the way it works now. Everybody talks a bunch of shit. Everybody says that's not the thing. And then they get sick and they go, oh, but go fund me for my my kid's college in a tombstone. And here's another deal, too. A lot of these fucking hillbilly idiots who wind up getting the COVID and starting a GoFundMe uh, so their kid can go to school. They uh, they weren't going to be able to afford college anyway. Like they weren't going to be able to put this kid through school anyway. Because they, you know, they're they're fucking nipples deep in a septic tank Monday through fucking Saturday and uh, not wearing masks on Sunday. And so they wind up getting the fucking disease. And then they're like, oh, man, we got to put my kid through college. So he isn't as stupid as I am fucking smelling like goddamn everybody's leftover shit and uh, refusing to wear a mask. You work in a septic tank. Put a mask on. How are you not even wearing a mask at fucking work? You fucking dope. I love inventing guys to be mad at. Um, 
you're in Brazil, you're on the street, you've got a sign, hey, I like masks. And then out of nowhere, uh, although it's not really out of nowhere because he has theme music. <laughs> what if that happened? If I'm Vanderlei Silva, I would have my, my theme music would fucking welcome me. If I was Shogun Hua, if I was Shogun Hua from the UFC, I would, uh, you would not... I would never go anywhere without sending a hype man ahead of me by a minute and a half to play Sandstorm. That would be fucking phenomenal. How could you not? Like, again, I have a theme song. It's fucking amazing. But I'm nobody. The day I get to be somebody, I'm I'm telling you, man, I'm going to have a little hype dude like that fucking midget that ran around with goddamn Kid Rock. Remember that guy? The fuck was his name? Willie C? Billy D? I don't know. It was fucking, uh, I don't know who he was. He's fucking dead now, though. Uh, shocking. Then unfortunately a, a little person died. Uh, there's gotta be like a stunted growth thing there, right? Didn't he have that disease? I don't know. It's just, you know, it, it would be just so tough to spend your life like a cock in a chastity cage, never able to grow bigger than you are. Uh, that's probably not a great analogy for the little people of the world. I apologize if you're listening. All right. So, um, that's going to wind up in my smash cut. The smash cut they do of me is going to wind up out there. Hey, here, this is what he said. Uh, and let's be honest, I just, I did use the M word. Midget is is a terrible word and I take it back. I, I don't, it, it, see, all right. And let's talk about this real quick. Uh, this is, this is something too that, if, that uh, affects me a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a filter on this show and I just want to say a bunch of crazy shit. And eventually uh, someone's going to be very upset at me. And by eventually, I mean, it happens, uh, you know, sometimes now. Uh, and people are like, I can't believe you said that. Or, oh, my God, are you, you're leaning into that now or that's your position. And um, yes, it is. But now, but I, but then I, I, because also, look, I think I'm on the right side of history on a lot of shit. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm for everybody to be happy. That's all I care about. That's it. Why am I explaining myself? This is stupid. See, this is the kind of shit that sidetracks me. This is the kind of thing that makes me go, well, you know what? You should now go ahead and, and stop and have a fucking disclaimer that nothing you say is true. <laughs> and you're not, even though I believe in all of it, everything I've said, I believe I, I or so let's get back to Vanderlei Silva. Who the fuck cares? If you had a fucking theme song, wouldn't you let it play everywhere you fucking went? If you were a big deal or important, because again, I'm nobody and, and I don't have a hype man. I need a hype man. That's the thing. Josie, is that his name? I don't know. I'm trying to figure this. I got my literally, let me ask you this. How many times at five eleven in the morning have you sat upright and thought to yourself, I got to think of this little person's name and it's gone through your brain. You've gone, ah, oh, you're just tossing and turning it back and forth. You're like, was it Hornswoggle? I don't think that was it. Was it little beaver? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think his name was Little Beaver. That was a wrestling guy. Remember when I did that show? I talked about Little Beaver and King Kong Bundy. I think I did. God damn it. By year, whatever the fuck. All right. Uh, so you're on the street. You got your sign. It says, hey, man, masks. Those are pretty cool, which seems like a lot of words for a sign. But you do you. Whatever the fuck you got to do. I hate the phrase you do you. Oh, my God. There's nothing. You do you is a bad phrase. I don't care for it. Uh, do whatever you want. It's fine. I know it's too many words. You don't need to shorten. Do whatever you want to you do you. It's fucking awful. Uh, it's like, you know, like I said, when you shoot from championship to chip, I fucking can't stand it. Uh, and it's like, I don't want to yuck your yum dudes. If anybody says, if anybody is around you, they say that, but I, I didn't want to yuck your yum. I don't want to yuck his yum. Um, just punch them, punch them right in the chest. That's it. Not faced. You don't do any damage, but you just want to give them the note that what they did was wrong. You know what? In fact, slug bug them. That's what we'll do. Yuck your yum gets a slug bug treatment. Just right in the arm. Slug bug red. Boom. Smash right there. And if they're like, what? And it's like, uh, we'll call it yuck yum. Yuck yum blue, yuck yum red, and just punch him right as hard as you can in the, in the arm. And they'll be like, what the fuck, man? Be like, don't say yuck your yum. That's just, that's, that's what children say. Don't be a child. Although I, I got to tell you this, man. Uh, my little brother, Scott, is, uh, he's lovely. I love my little brother. 
but uh, he texts. Remember, I've talked about this before on other shows. Uh, I'm like, you're not Prince. You don't get to use the number four for the word four, and you don't get to use letter C for for S E E. You can't. That's Prince stuff. Prince does that, and you're not Prince. You'll never be Prince. No one will ever be Prince again, thankfully, uh, except maybe Little Sweet. Um, he's trying desperately, trying desperately to be Prince, and. I enjoy those commercials. I will not lie. I don't like the commercials now where he's like happy with everybody. I liked the little sweet commercials in the beginning when he was trying to fuck all the women and they all wanted to fuck him and even in front of their husbands, which was fucking hysterical. Little sweet pops out of a fucking washing machine and the girl's like, oh my God, it's so sweet. And the husband's like, what the fuck is this weirdo doing in my washing machine? But the girl's like basically throwing all of her panties at him. See, that was a great premise. Also, let me throw this at you. And I might've discussed this on another show, but it fascinates me. So let's fucking bring it up again, shall we? You know who's playing Little Sweet? Or I'm sorry, Lil Sweet. You know who's playing Lil Sweet? No T's involved. Uh, that's right. It's Justin Guarini from the uh, from the American Idol, the first year of American Idol. From the American Idol, what am I, 70? From the first year of American Idol, uh, Justin Guarini lost in a battle to uh, Kelly Clarkson. And uh, and then they made Justin and Kelly go to the beach, whatever the fuck, they made a movie together. And uh, and then, I I and this is just for me, he disappeared from the radar screen. He might have been working all over the place. He was probably singing in Branson a lot, probably doing a lot of county fairs and doing great things. But look, wherever there was a corn dog, there was Justin Guarini. Wherever you were going to find a deep fried Snickers bar, you could be sure that you could take two bites out of it and then hear Justin Guarini's voice floating out of some fucking backwoods stage. It's going to happen. That's the way it was. But now he stumbled into this little sweet character. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really recognize Justin Guarini or his voice. So when I went, Mike, how did you know that that was Justin Guarini when you saw that commercial? Here's how I knew. When that commercial campaign started, uh, first time I saw the commercial, I, I, I must admit, I enjoyed it because, again, I like Prince. So anybody being a silly like Prince type character, it made me laugh. I didn't make me laugh. I don't laugh. <laughs> Little sweet. <laughs> Commercials. <laughs> I'm not a fucking simpleton, but I must admit I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Uh, I look, I'm a jaded comedian, man. Nothing makes me laugh ever, except apparently myself 20 times a fucking show. Um, so, but in the first commercial, I watched it and then there was like a, it looked like, um, you ever go to get your eyes checked and they're like, all right, uh, focus, but there's going to be a dot that shows up and you got to tell me when the dot shows up and it's super fast, like, like that. And you go, ah, left, left eye dot. Uh, and then they go, okay, here's your glasses, which is, that's the way it works. It's and it's the way it's must've worked for all eternity. I wonder if Ben Franklin invented that machine where he's like, do me a favor. Take a look at these, this gigantic machine and see if you see a dot. That's, that's, this is your eyesight we're talking about, folks. But that's how they figure out what your eyesight is like. Doesn't it seem rudimentary? Shouldn't there be some? And I know there's a laser that gives you back your sight and there's all sorts of fucking tools and bullshit. But it just seems so strange that we still, to this day, you lean forward and place your face on the, in the place where everybody's face has been. You ever think about that now these days, especially with fucking COVID? If you go, whenever you look, I had my ex hated water fountains. She just, she was like, those are the most disgusting things. It's just the idea that there's communal water for people is fucking terrifying. And I do understand that to a certain extent with her. It made me laugh because I just always, there'd always been water fountains. I never even really thought about it. I wasn't a guy using them all the time, but just the very fact that they were accessible, it seemed like a cool thing. But then when you really, again, if you think about something for 10 seconds, you just go, oh yeah, man, everybody's mouth is on that fucking thing. I don't know whose cocks have been in whose mouths. I don't want to fucking go over here and lick this fucking, well, you're not licking it. I don't think maybe I'm using it wrong. Maybe that could be the thing. I could be using the goddamn thing wrong. But now, like, would you ever use a water fountain? No, not in a, not in a fucking million years. Unless you're, I mean, look, if you're a homeless guy 
and you're thirsty, yes, there's a water fountain. But that also, no offense, is another reason why you, grown up with a job and a car, should never use a water fountain. Because it is, it is, it is, it is a homeless irrigation system is essentially what it is. It's keeping them alive and that's good. We should keep them alive. We should do everything we can to help people. And there should be, look, if you want to have a bigger discussion, should there be free water for everybody? Yes, there should. There should just, water is, it's fucking ridiculous. Man. I think the other day, dude, I have these thoughts like when, like being high. All right. I don't want to lose the plot here too much. Where was I? I was thought, oh, Justin Guarini. All right. I'm going to write this down. So I don't forget to talk about Justin Guarini, but I must tell you about my high thoughts. I just wrote down Dustin. Uh, let's talk about, you know what? Let's talk about Dustin Guarini. He's really got problems. Um, so here's the, the thing with water. Like when you talk about high thoughts, all right. Uh, I was making ice the other day in my house because again, I don't go anywhere ever. And I have, here's the way it works in my house. I have like a big, like a plastic tub and I have three ice trays. So I'll make three ice trays and uh, I try to keep the plastic tub overstocked. Like I, I want, I want it to be filled to the brim. And then I want half the plastic tub uh, in addition to that. I wanted to have one, I wanted to be carrying one and a half times its weight to the point where the plastic tub is filled with ice, but then it has to be ice Tetris on the top where I have to, I have to place cubes strategically. So things aren't sliding off. Everything is all holding itself up. It's like a game of pickup sticks. It's all up there. A kerplunk. If you pull a fucking one ice cube out, that's all going to fall down. All the marbles are done and you lose. So I, I, it's very important to me to construct this ice Jenga in any other board game I could think of ice battleship. You've sunk my ice flow. I want all of that. It's ice Jenga. It's right there. Everything is, is piled on top of the tub. Okay. And then I fill the other, I fill the three, uh, trays because I don't ever, cause here's the thing I drink here. Listen, that's my uh, cup. I have two cups. I have a uh, two super big gulp cups. One has Paul Stanley on it. One has Gene Simmons on it. And I will say this just a couple of weeks ago, I broke my Paul Stanley cup and you're like, Mike, it's fucking plastic. How did you break it? Here's how I broke it. Uh, I was walking. I, I've told you about these cups before, haven't I? Jesus, I don't know. See, this is the thing. Why do you even do a fucking show? I'm just repeating myself over and fucking over. Uh, I filled a, cause I put, uh, I put 11 ice cubes. No, is it 10, six? Yeah. I put 10 ice cubes, 10 ice cubes go in the cup and then I fill it with cold water. Um, unless I'm streaming on Twitch cause I might be there longer than I put 11 or 12 cubes in. Jesus Christ. This is here. Welcome to my brain. Let me open it up so you can walk in and go, what the fuck going on in here? Uh, so I, and the, the trays, the ice trays only make like, I think they make 14 or 16 cubes or 12. I don't know. It's an even number though. Uh, it could be a magic number like three, three. It's a magic number. Three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18, 21, 24, 27, 30. Uh, wait, is three a magic number? Yeah, it is. Oh, it's figure eight. Figure, yeah, when you go with figure eight to D to D, schoolhouse rock, who cares? Um, all right, man. So I've got, I got ice Tetris. I got ice Jenga in the freezer. So the other day I, I crack it all up. I crack the trays. I, f- I fill it in and I'm filling in the uh, ice cubes, the ice trays to, to go put them in the in there. And I, I, I turn on the faucet and I, I fill up the ice tray and I've got to um, balance it from the sink to the freezer because there's nothing worse than getting water on the floor. Now I will say this to you. Uh, I have I wear slippers in the house because I'm although I just had to throw away two pairs of slippers. I have no slippers right now. I'm a slipperless man. Uh because everybody goes crazy about a slipperless man. I I don't have slippers right now. So when I get back from Chicago, I have to order them so I have them because I wear slippers in my house. Uh, I don't wear shoes in my house. I just do not. I will not do it. Back off, man. 
But there's a, if I wear slippers, I do, if I spill water on the floor, uh, I don't, I don't wipe it up. I got to be honest with you because it's just, it's just me here. Who cares? It's just some water on the floor and it'll, you know what it'll do eventually dry up. It'll evaporate and that'll be fine for everybody. Won't it? Won't you be thrilled? Uh, but I will say this if somehow for some reason, because it's been cold here, it's been cold in Los Angeles. If somehow I'm wearing socks, uh, there's nothing worse than spilling water on the floor because then, especially with the first ice cube tray, because then I have to navigate two ice cube trays back over to the fridge without stepping in the puddle that has been created from the spillage from the first ice cube tray. And if you step in, in water with socks, forget it. You, the socks are done. They're cashed. You got to get rid of them. And if you step in water with socks, you can't just take your socks off and throw them in the, in the basket and, and to wash because they're wet and they will, uh, they'll fester and they will possibly get the other clothes wet. And then a terrible thing happens. And then your laundry attacks you in the middle of the night. Cause it's furious that you don't know how to take care of yourself. And I don't blame it. My laundry would, you know what? If my, if I threw wet clothes into my goddamn basket with dry clothes, they should absolutely conspire to, 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 to strangle me in the night. Why wouldn't you? Uh, so then you've got to take the socks off and you got to throw them in the, uh, just like kind of hang them in the bathtub a little bit so they dry out. Uh, and then you got to get another pair of socks. Well, now you've, now you've worn, you've worn two pairs of socks in one day. And now you're just, you know what you're doing? You're just speeding up the laundry process. At that point, if, if you're, it, it, you, you might as well just change in and out of your boxer briefs and wear three of those a day. Why are you speeding up the laundry process? One pair of socks, one pair of fucking uh, boxer briefs, one shorts, one sweats, possibly instead of shorts, one shirt. Don't, don't fucking, don't wear layers because it just adds more laundry time. Uh, and also it's part of my OCD, ADD, whatever the fuck, where it's like, oh man, I can't wear another pair of socks. Well, then I don't have to wear no socks. I'll just wear slippers, but it's cold. Jeez, uh, welcome to my fucking brain. So I'm filling up the ice cube trays the other day and uh, I filled the first one up and, and uh, as I'm making my way from the sink, it's just, it's just a two-step process, but I, I turn my body and then I take two steps over to the fridge and it slides in. But I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the ice cube tray and the water is, the light is kind of shimmering off of it and it's kind of sloshing a little bit cause I'm, I'm moving, you know what I mean? I'm not shaking. I'm not an, I'm an old man with the shakes, but uh, I'm moving with it. So it's, it's kind of form fitting inside the ice cube tray as you go. And then I put it down and I slide it in. And, uh, and as I slide it in, some has spilled from the last time I cleaned the ice or did the ice. And so there's, there's thin ice, like in my freezer that I have to, I usually use a hot paper towel to melt it and wipe it up. God damn it. Oh man, why do I, why do I even bother telling you this nonsense? Oh, hold on, mouth dry. So, so I I do the second ice cube tray, and I'm looking at it, and it it does this thing where I'm I, I start to really think about water. In that moment, and I and I go, man, this is because look, we all know water's a miracle. All right, water is what keeps you alive. You have you have to drink water. The the very fact that they invented any other beverage besides water that's just capitalism at that point. That's just that's just guys looking for fucking money. You're inventing booze. You just want to get fucked up. You're inventing soda. That's just, again. You're just you're just wanting to steal cash from people because water can do the job. Water can do the trick. And uh, and not only is water, uh, you know, it's the ultimate beverage, quite frankly, because I, I and I have friends who are like, oh, I hate water. What the what the fuck? What are you talking about? You hate water. Water is a miracle. There's no way you can hate water. And, and quite frankly, you could survive on on just water. If I remember correctly, 
There's a chance I don't. I'm not a science guy. Although I know that every other podcaster in the world has a science degree and will tell you everything you need to know about your body and medicine. I'm here to tell you this. I don't know a fucking thing. But I know that water is the is the lifeblood of your body and it's the gas that forms your that fills your car and the oil that runs your engine, whatever the fuck, the straw that stirs the drink, whatever you want to fucking call it. Water runs the show, man. Water is fucking amazing. But also I looked at it in the tray and I'm like, it's amazing, it's a miracle because it keeps you alive. But also, how fucking weird is water? Like it's it's we just take it for granted. Because again, if you you live your life so you take things for granted. And you're just like, all right, yeah, you drink some water, whatever the fuck. You make coffee with it, you make tea, whatever you do. But also just water itself, you know, it's, it's water is, you use it to drink and stay alive, but also it's in the toilet. Water's in the toilet. It takes your waste away. And also water's there when you want to brush your teeth. Ah, you can't brush your teeth dry with just paste. You got to go ahead and use some water to go ahead and get it a little uh, soppy. And then also you want to make sure your body is clean. Well, water will do that for you. Water is a fucking genius Water's taking care of all the goddamn business. Everything you need to do, water is there for you. And then you think to yourself, well, wait a minute. Why is water not free? Shouldn't water be free for everybody? And I know people are like, well, they got to build filtration plants. And they got to spend this money and they got to do that. And it's like, I don't do they. Or do they build filtration plants and then just let everybody have water? I understand you're going to be like, well, there's a bubblers out there in the fucking water fountains. Yes, I know. And that's great. And it keeps the homeless alive and good for them. And please stay out of the elements and, and keep yourself juiced up with water. If you can, I'd appreciate it. But at the same time, water is it It just seems it's like it's like saying, hey, man, it's well, it's also like when well, I mean, this, I was just going to say it's like saying, hey, man, but this is also true, like buying grass. Like if someone's like, hey, man, you want some sod? We'll sell you this sod. It's fucking dirt and grass. Who the fuck? Who gets to sell that? And I know I probably sound like some wavy gravy fuckhead. I I get this. I know I sound like some weird hippie. And it's the shit. When I was a young guy, I didn't fucking care about any of this. And look, I got to be truthful. I don't really fucking care about it now. But I found it interesting when you think to yourself, man, like, uh, like shelter costs money and, and air essentially costs money and, and space. I've said for years, all right, this is just an extrapolation of this idea. I've said for years that parking is a racket. It drives me out of my skull. The very fact that you have to pay to park anywhere is for me, one of the biggest rackets in, in, in history. You're selling me space. You're selling me a spot. You're selling me and it's not even selling it. I'm renting it. I'm renting air. I'm renting nothing. That's all I'm doing. I'm renting a, 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 an X marks the spot on the map. I'm renting the X. That's it. That's all I'm doing. For what reason? That's like a protection racket. Hey, man, nice car you got here. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it. Why don't you give us $8 you can park it in our parking garage? Oh, and then what? You'll protect it? Well, I don't know. We'll see. Protect it from the elements. Certainly going to keep you here. You know what I mean? It just seems like so... To me, paying for parking is so dirty and fucking weird. And And... The fact that cities do it with meters and I guess they got to do it because somehow it builds bridges. But now we don't fucking build bridges anymore. I and mean, we just give all the money to the cops. And I don't fucking know, man. What do I know? I read shit and then I blanch. But like, why? Did I, I looked at water the other day. And I'm like, water is a goddamn miracle. I do this. I said, I do it with my hands, too, I, which is so weird. I'll look at you ever just look at your hands. I know it's guys get high and then do these things. If you ever look at your hands, and I don't even get high, you know that, I'm just a weirdo. I'm looking at my fucking hands, and, and you just like think to yourself, man, these, my hands, they've, they've, they've been with me my entire life. My, these hands have touched everyone I've ever loved. That's, that's insane. 
It's such the, the, the history built into your hands. And also I'll, I'll walk now. Cause look, I am, I, I am outrageously fat. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I have to, that's another thing. That's another reason you need to hear from me for a month is I, I've just been, I've spent the time, uh, racing myself to the grave and I need to stop clearly. Uh, I've ignored doing this, you know, the thing I'm quite frankly best at other, you know, I will say this. I am now, you know what? I used to think the thing I was best at was talking incorrect. Now, clearly at least second on the list, because the best thing I, the thing I'm best at is, uh, eating myself to death. I'm really good at that. And then laughing my, at myself in the process and going, oh, you know what, man, this is it. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you just going to, I, I am so good at self-destruction. Jesus Christ. I, I I'm going to call it an art form. I don't even need drugs and shit, man. I don't need booze. Like, is it, how weird is it that I don't like booze or drugs? And yet I'm, I'm already just, I've just got a shovel and I'm digging that grave. I'm digging that dirt. Just, I'm just waiting to put the final, I'm just trying to dot the I and cross the T and Schmidt for the headstone. Holy shit. What is wrong? And by the way, that's a joke. Cause I'll never be able to afford a headstone. I'm going to go to a pauper's grave. They're just going to throw me in a ditch. You're going to, you know what? Gonna, it's going to be like a Viking funeral, but, but without like fire, they're just going to tie like 80 balloons to me and try to get me in the air. And then maybe vultures will eat me in the sky. That's all I want. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to opt that. Not only that it might happen, let's make that happen. Let's manifest it. You know how you speak things into existence? Oh, man, speaking into existence. I'm going to get that job. Oh, man, I'm going to get accepted to my favorite college. Oh, I hope I'm born aloft after my death by 80 balloons and eaten by vultures in the sky. Let's manifest this. Let's make it happen, folks. Cross your fingers. Let's all chant it. Well, that's a long chant. <laughs> I can only hope to be born aloft by 80 balloons after my death and eaten by vultures in the sky. Can, can we make this happen? I ask you, my dwindling fan base, can we make this happen? I ask you, friends, the only people still listening to me, other people want to get the fuck out of here. Why aren't you doing a show? What's wrong with you? You suck. By the way, that was me. I'm that guy who said all those things. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Why aren't you doing a show? You suck. Hey, look, it's a mirror. All right. Uh, water's insane. And I, I thought of it the other day where I was just staring at it in the fucking ice cube tray and then staring at it. My, and I choke it down all day. And I drink four of these super big gulps. I'm, I'm, I love water. I'm powering through it. And that's why I said when I hear people say they don't like water, I'm like, why? Who doesn't like water? Ice cold water is fucking beautiful. It's so good. Oh, I couldn't possibly. All right. Well, I don't know. Then die. Well, no, I'm fine. I drink a lot of things. It's like fucking weird Billy Bob Thornton. I don't eat orange stuff. Shit. Like or weird Jordan Peterson. I only eat meat. What the fuck is that guy eat? Like lamb, right? Isn't that Jordan Peterson's deal? See that picture of Jordan Peterson with Rogan? Jordan Peterson did Rogan's podcast, and then they and he wore a tuxedo because he's a fucking goof. Looks like Lurch, and then he's in this photo with Rogan, and it uh, it and it's in black and white too, which I don't understand. It looks like two guys had a meeting to determine how to kill Batman. Like they just look so fucking weird. He he looks like. Because Jordan Peterson, and without the muscles, but just the angular look of his face, he looks like there's a guy named Tombstone who's a villain in Spider-Man. Uh, and Joe Rogan just looks like a small... He, and again, Joe Rogan is not small. Joe Rogan is buff, and he's, he's fucking all jacked. But I don't know how tall he is. I've never, never met the guy. What was he like? He's got to be 5'6", I would imagine. Because if he's... Let's put it this way. If he's not 5'6", Jordan Peterson is eight and a half feet tall. The, the the picture looked like you know what it looked like in the you ever seen the Guinness Book of World Records when they've got the tallest person alive 
and it just shows them at a carnival and people meeting them. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, and, and like this wasn't harmful at all to this guy's psyche. Here's what happens when a regular man meets the dullest man in the world. And he's like a regular man. What the fuck? I'm regular. I just happen to wear a fucking size 80 long pant. Nothing wrong with that. Like, like any, but like the tall guy is any way to fucking control how he grew. You can't saw his fucking legs in half. Uh, unless it's the prestige. I bet they could find a way to do that. In the prestige. Michael Caine and figure that out. Uh, oh man, with that birdcage that fucked that old lady's hand up. God damn, what a drag. But and how do you reco- how do you recover from that? I don't even know how you recover from that, but they did. Uh, but then they wound up killing a bunch of people. Never mind. It's, well, I don't want to spoil anything. Watch The Prestige. It's a fucking fantastic movie. It's another one of those things I buried myself in his good movies. All right. Uh, water is a is astonishing, and I don't understand why more people don't partake in it. And who the fuck hates it? People are silly. Oh, I don't like drinking water. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, really? You want to die then? I guess. Uh, that seems like a leap. You're not going to die if you don't drink water. I mean, if you don't ever drink water. Uh, but who did I just read who who didn't drink water for 13 days? Um, Duff. It was Duff from Guns N' Roses. He did an interview with Sammy Hagar. And I, I don't I don't even know who that's for. <laughs> I have to be honest. Look, I don't know why people listen to this fucking thing. But then... When I, I see these guys, like, remember I talked about the past, like Sammy Hagar is still out there, man. He's still out there with the band. The circus. Sammy Hagar, and this is, I'm not exaggerating. Sammy Hagar is 74 years old. That's a rough estimate. I'm pretty sure he's 74 years old. It's like Rick Springfield. Rick is 74 and they're still out there. And like I said, never retire. If you're a rock star, do your thing. The thing I don't understand is how who who's buying a ticket to go see Sammy Hagar and the Circle with Michael Anthony and and Jason Bonham on drums. Although I guess you know it's not a bad lineup. I've seen them. Why should I even fucking I I don't I don't know what to do, folks. I see things and I just go that's weird. And then I see it. I go to I I went and saw Lou Graham. I went and saw Lou Graham with Pat. And it wasn't even Lou Graham with Foreigner because again that's all done because he and Mick Jones had a fight and Mick Jones made him sign over the fucking what was it. Uh, I think it was, I want to know what love is. I think it's that song. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever their biggest hit is, when they split up, Mick Jones is like, hey, man, I, I, I'm going to keep the publishing on that. And Graham is just like, this is how much he hates like Mick Jones. I think he just went, okay, I just want to fucking leave. You know, because also Lou Graham, he, he had a heat stroke or whatever. He had a brain fucking freeze. I don't know what he did, but it was bad. It was terrible for him. Uh, and then he had to take a bunch of steroids and prednisone and he got all, he, he looked completely different, but he still sings. He still does this thing. And we went, Pat and I went to see him at the, uh, cause Pat interviewed him for, uh, for rock solid. And whenever Pat does that, you know, they hook him up. We get tickets. We went out to the fucking Canyon club and it was a weird show. I will not lie. Uh, first of all, we went backstage and we got to meet, uh, Lou Graham and his son. And, uh, Lou has a, a Lou has seat. Now Lou has a handler. I need a handler like Lou Graham does. I need a handler. I need a team. And Lou Graham has that. He had his son there, and they had this other guy who was like providing copies of books and and getting Lou over here and getting food for Lou and getting him a drink and making sure that he had the proper set list and all of these different things. Uh, just a guy on the ball, super sweet. Came out and grabbed us, brought us in to meet Lou. And uh, when I, it's funny when I do those things, it's it's so odd. Because Pat, you know, he has a connection with them. He talked to them on the show. So they're expecting Pat. They don't know who the fuck I am. I'm Pat's galoot friend who burst into the back because he liked foreigner. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and, and again, they're always very kind to me. They're very nice. Like Lou Graham was super cool. Shook my hand though. He took selfies. We took photos. Um, 
His son was very nice to us. Everybody was, they, they could not have done more to make us feel comfortable in what, quite frankly, should be an uncomfortable situation for everybody because we're invading their territory to say hi. Hey, is there a chance we can say hi to Lou? And, you know, and, and, and this, let's put it this way. That guy came to get us. It wasn't even like Pat asked. The guy, the guy saw Pat. And he's like, oh, hey, you, you guys want to see, say hi to Lou? And we're like, yes. And we went back there and Lou signed, a, signed some stuff for Pat, which was super great. And... And again, after the whole, hi, it's nice to meet you. I really enjoy your work. Thank you so much for letting us in. You're done. There's nothing else to say. But then we're kind of hanging back there and there's like a little small talk happening. And I'm, I have my eye firmly on the door. I will say this. I made a couple of jokes and, uh, and Lou Graham kind of like, oh yeah, but his son laughed. So that made me happy because it was like his son at least understood that I was being silly. Um, but they were lovely people. So, but anyway, the show was, uh, it was Lou Graham with Asia opening. Okay. So I was like, that's, that's a weird bill. Cause it's uh, I should tell you this. You remember Asia heat of the night or heat of the heat of the moment, heat of the night, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's Sydney point. Yeah. He and Asia got together. <laughs> Mr. Tibbs. I never meant to be so bad to you. That's my Sydney Poitier doing an Asia song. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, it's vaudeville. Um, so Asia opens the show, right? But here's the deal. There's uh I think I, I I don't think there was one original member in Asia. It was it was fake Asia. We kept calling them fake Asia. And Pat told me this is the guy who took over for John Wetton. I think John Wetton's actually dead. Uh there might be one and the drummer's gone. I know that. There I think there's there there might be one original Asian in Asia. I'm going to call them Asians because I don't think that's incorrect at all, right? That's what they should. If you're in the band Asia, you're an honorary Asian. So I'm going to say there was one original, possibly one original Asian in Asia, but there but there may not have been. It might have just been a bunch of uh, nobodies pretending to be Asia because they were once in the band with the other guys. And uh, they played their opening set. They did all their Asia stuff. And Asia has, for me, uh, three really great songs. And overall, five songs that I know and really like. But uh, but there's three fantastic songs by Asia. And of course, they are Only Time Will Tell and Soul Survivor and Heat of the Moment. Those are those are the three uh, main ones, right? Over, Only Time. Yeah, that's that one. You're leaving now. That's yeah, that's 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 fantastic. A fantastic song. So, so oh, I apologize. You know what other song I love? Wildest Dreams. That's that's an underrated song off the first Asia album. And then there's a song called The Smile Has Left Your Eyes, which was on uh, Alpha, I believe, or possibly Astra. I don't know. Uh, I don't even love Don't Cry. Don't Cry is fine. There's songs that are fine, but there's four that I love. And it's Soul Survivor. It's Heat of the Moment. It's uh, Only Time Will Tell. And it's Wildest Dreams. That's, that's perfect. That's your Asia. That's it. That's Asia in a box. He had four songs and you're done. But they're playing an hour and a half, and you're like, I don't know how you're going to find any room for anything else in here, Asia, fake Asia. Uh, but here was the thing. I thought Asia was opening uh, for Lou Graham. Well, but no, here's how it works, friends. And Pat explained this to me while we're, in, while we're in the club, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, no, this is the way it goes. Uh, Asia plays their set, and then they go, thank you, everybody. It's so great that you're here. And, oh, hey, you know what? We've got a special guest. Uh, you guys know him. He was the singer and foreigner Lou Graham. So Lou Graham comes out and he takes the stage with fake Asia and then fake Asia seamlessly transitions into fake foreigner. And then they are Lou Graham's backup band. What? Yes. 
fucking weird fucking crazy chrysalis transformation band goes in front. They, they're Asia. They leap into a cocoon and they burst out a glorious foreigner butterfly with Lou Graham right there in the front head monarch, Lou Graham. And, uh, and then they play like seven foreigner songs because quite frankly, uh, I think that's all Lou is physically up to. I, was it seven or I don't know. Do you have to check? It was a small number. It was, 45 minutes, maybe, maybe an hour with Lou. And, uh, and, and I have to admit it was, it was such a strange experience because it felt like karaoke. It's not foreigner. It's just not, you know, and it's not really Lou Graham solo. Cause he has no other band. It felt very much like they, they did a karaoke night and Lou Graham showed up to do Lou Graham's songs. And, uh, I was, and again, I don't know what he's going to sound like. I'm, I'm in the audience. This is the way it works where I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I don't (laughs) fingers crossed. This doesn't go horribly awry. And, uh, and we're there and he takes the stage and I don't even, I think he opened with cold as ice. I don't know. Uh, but boy, he opens his mouth and the first couple lines, I I looked at Pat and I go, Hey, cause he was, uh, he, he wasn't in good voice immediately. But I will say this as the show went on, as even the first song went on, he found his sea legs and he started to, uh, he started to sing. Uh, now look, is he 1978 Lou Graham? Of course he isn't. Who among you is, is exactly as dewy fresh as you were in 1978. I was, it was a, an apple cheeked young 11 year old doing all sorts of shenanigans and terrible things. And, uh, and even I can't claim to have been uh, to to have held that ethos into my old age here. I'm I'm we're all just Lou Grahams of our of our previous selves. That's all we are. We are all just Lou Graham shells of our previous selves. And uh, and Lou did his songs and he sang them in the crowd because those shows are not nobody's there to go. Yeah, fucking Lou Graham. Everybody's just there to relive their childhood. You know, I mean, unless, unless Lou Graham was still like, if Lou Graham was still like hot or like sexy, then like maybe chicks would go there and be like, oh yeah, no, I remember him. I wanted him when I was a kid and oh my God, look at him. He's still good looking. You know, Lou Graham looks, looks like he should be working in the stock room of a shoe store now. And, and it's not his fault. He's had, he's been befallen by a terrible uh, disease and in a horrible circumstance. And also He's age, age has arrived. That happens. So sometimes, you know, you're, you're, everything's, you're great. You're all fresh faced and, and, and for everybody loves you. And then, you know, 20 years go by and you, and you look like somebody's foot and it happens. It's just the way it goes. It's when they pretend that these guys are still like, look, I have respect for Lou Graham because Lou Graham dressed his age. Lou Graham dressed like a normal guy. That was another thing. I will tell you this. That's another thing that made it a little strange because it didn't seem like a rock show. It just, it just looked like some dude made his way on stage from the kitchen and decided he was going to bust out some foreigner songs because Lou Graham does not look like Lou Graham used to look because, you know, again, the, the world came along and kicked him in the fucking solar plexus and that'll happen. So, and, and again, nothing he did. It wasn't like some, I'm a rock star doing a lot of drugs and oh no, I've paralyzed my larynx. That wasn't that. Uh, which not, that's not a bad song. Somebody jot that down. Um, no, he just, it just happened. 
Like, again, and it's one of those weird things, dude. Don't you hate when that happens? Like, if you get cancer, like I said, we're all of us right now, we are all just mere steps away from cancer. Everybody, I don't mean to, and I'm not trying to rain on your parade. It doesn't mean cancel your dinner plans, you know, but just if you're realistic about it, we're either, all of us are going to get either diabetes or heart disease or cancer. That's, that's what's waiting for all of us. As long as, until the water wars start and the bullets start flying, if there's any sort of way that we could possibly dodge that, then, you know, hooray at the finish line. You know, you, th- you thought the fucking Boston Marathon bombs at the finish line was rough. Imagine just knowing that whatever this marathon of life that you're, you know, dearly beloved, we are gathering today to get through this thing called life. Uh, and at the finish line, you know, it's waiting for you. You cross the tape. Here's cancer. Enjoy it. And that's that's your finish line. And I, I don't mean that in a I find myself pondering that a lot, you know, where I'm just like, all right, well, and then as you get older, <laughs> it's probably morbid, but I think of this. I wonder which one's going to get me. I, I picture you ever see almost famous and uh, near the end, the uh, all the tour managers for the bands are having a poker game and uh, and uh, Peter Frampton plays humble pies tour manager. Mitch Hedberg plays. Uh, I believe he's the Eagles tour manager. Uh, and then, of course, the tour manager for Stillwater is in there. Uh, and then Road Dog is in there, the guy for uh, 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 Sabbath or whatever. So they're all in there, or the Allman Brothers, and they're all in there playing a poker game. And they're divvying up who gets what. And uh, and then the guy from Stillwater puts Penny Lane and the rest of the Band-Aids up uh, in exchange for a case of Heineken. And uh, and then he he loses the Band-Aids, and it's a you know, turning point. It makes fucking William upset. Uh I don't, don't you just now, cause now I like to picture, uh, like a poker game with diabetes diet. You got to figure diabetes and, and heart disease and cancer are having a three handed poker game to see who gets who they just go. All right. I'll tell you what, if you win this hand, you can take down anybody with the first name that starts with M who lives in Idaho and, and cancer's like, thank you. All right. And then they, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in <laughs> and we'll see. I, and who, cause you got to figure, you know, they're betting on kids and every other goddamn thing. You know, they're not good guys, diabetes, cancer and heart disease. They're not good fellas. That's not a poker game you ever want to get into. And look, they're not, they're not above cheating. Because car accidents actually plays in that game occasionally. And then it's like, you guys are fucking cheating. Cancer's like, what, man? We can't help but we're good at this game. And car accidents is like, well, I'm trying really. Cancer's like, you're never going to beat me. Never. They have been trying to fix me and cure me for how fucking long? I always laugh when people talk about all the money we've given for cancer research. And they're like, how do you not fix it by now? It's like, I don't. I go the other way. Why don't we stop funding cancer research? Because cancer won. Declare it it victorious. Let's, you know, take all the money we give for cancer research and keep it. And then anybody who gets cancer has a party. (laughs) They just get, they just get like, it's like make a wish. Let's turn all of the cancer research in this country into make a wish foundation money. So then it's like some guy gets cancer and he's like, man, I want to fuck Pam Anderson. They're like, done. They just cough up the cash and you do it. You fucking Roger Aronley. She wears the fucking Baywatch suit. Everybody's happy Uh, because you're not getting that fixed. And I know everybody's like, well, some people get cancer and they survive. Hey, look, yeah, my mom's beaten it three times, three times. Uh, I had a very, another very close family member. Um, and it's not my story to tell, but they just, they just, uh, they're in remission. They had cancer and they've, they've defeated it. So, I mean, yes, it, it can be done. You can, you can beat back the hun occasionally, but, but cancer just does that thing. It's like Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? It's just always going to be there. Eventually, you're going to have to go to sleep and it's going to fucking show up. 
And it's going to scratch its nails on the fence and tell you that this is God and you're going to fucking collapse. But eventually you do beat cancer and you hold it off. And then eventually cancer comes back and gets you. That's just the way it's going to work. I mean, I look, you don't always beat cancer. Because again, there's guys, there's people who, up of those people are like, oh man, I must announce that I have cancer. And then like nine minutes later, they're dead. And you're like, all right, well, you must have been struggling with this for a while. Cancer's fucked. Dude, death is fucked. How many people have died? Dude, I, I last was here a month ago, right? And fucking, who died? Betty White died, which was a shock because I never saw that coming at 98 or whatever the fuck she was. Um, look, I'm going to say this, all right? And uh, whether it's uh, you enjoy it or it's popular, we all enjoyed Betty White. I'm sure she she was a fantastic and lovely woman, did so many great things for animals, seemed like the just the most pleasant and wonderful celebrity you could possibly imagine. And not even celebrity, woman. She seemed like a lovely, wonderful woman you would love to have in your family. You would love to visit her every holiday. Um, but, I, and I, I just, I don't know. I can't, I guess, because this is where I, this is the, the line I walk here. Uh, I used to just be able to casually dismiss stuff. Like, you ever see those hot take sports shows? I've talked about this before. There's those hot take sports shows where guys are like, Tom Brady sucks. He's fucking terrible. You know, he wouldn't be anything without Belichick. Tom Brady's fucking awful. And I hear that, and then I just get, I'm just like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Tom Brady doesn't suck. He's a very good quarterback. He's been in terrific systems, but also he's a fucking winner. Quite frankly, he's the best player in the history of the National Football League because you can't argue with the fact that the guy has constantly won and won now in a different organization. He's fucking great. Uh, But at the same time, did he need Belichick for a long time? Yes. Did he have great defenses he played with? Yes. Was the division terrible that he was in? Of course. There are factors that lead you to be the greatest in the fucking world. I mean, I watched the greatest basketball player of all time. I watched Michael Jordan. And and he just carved up Hall of Famers and bad teams alike. It was fucking awesome. It was great. Uh, But there are people who be like, oh, my God, LeBron James is so much better than Jordan. And you're like, oh, okay. And you could argue it if you wanted to, but all of this, all of this is just distractions. It's breads, it's circuses. And, and I find myself now, like I, I could be a hot take machine. It's easy to be a hot take machine. You, you just draw a line in the sand. You fucking go at it. You're like, oh yeah, no, I fucking believe this. I believe that. Um, but then it gets to a point where you're just like, well, no, I, I don't, there's nuance here. You should always examine that there's nuance here, but nobody wants nuance. They want to, they just want to pound their fist and everybody wants to Khrushchev with their shoe and smash the fucking podium. And I'm going to be truly honest with you. I don't even remember what the fuck I was talking about. I don't, I don't remember what I was saying about being a hot take machine and how it's easy to say this and about who loves. I don't, I don't, couldn't tell you must not have been that important. Holy fuck. Oh, you know what? It was about Betty White. Now I remember. God damn it. Thank you. Jesus Christ. I was ready to wave a white fucking flag there, man. I had no fucking idea. Uh, I'm, I look, cause now, cause I want to say these things, but then I feel like people are going to get, I don't even give a shit if people get mad. What the fuck? Who's going to get mad at me? I got I'm a nobody on a podcast. It's fine. Uh, but also I know there are people close to me who'll be like, oh, I disagree with that. That's wrong. And I'm like, I, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. I'm, I do a comedy show. We're having fun. But, uh, but I'm, I'm just going to say that Betty White She's again, I'm not saying anything bad against her. She was lovely and amazing. And, uh, and it's a shame that we lost her. But again, at the same time, she's, she's 99 years old. And, and that's, that's what it was. She was 99, not even 95. She's 99 years old. And, uh, and I, I love this too, by the way, she dies. And then, and a day later, people magazine comes out and it's like Betty White's 100th birthday. And, uh, and I'm like, well then yeah, I'll tell you what, in, 
in journalism, this is what's known as overthrowing your receiver because you clearly, you had this locked and loaded. They couldn't wait to celebrate her hundredth, and then she and then she gives it up on the 99th. What a drag! A tough, tough, tough beat there for People Magazine. But also, uh, this is what you get when you try to write a feature story about someone who's ninety nine years old, someone who, quite frankly, grew up on a horse. It's, I don't even think I'm wrong. I, I think her dad met her mom in a saloon with swinging doors. That's that's she's she's an old person, and and I it's just that's and she was gonna go. It was gonna happen. So I guess what I'm saying is when I see these people on social media because there were plenty of people on social media who were just like I refuse to believe it. Oh my God, what a it's a terrible day. It's the tragic day, and uh, yes, it's a sad day. Clearly, it's a sad day, but um. But the people who come out and they're like, oh, devastated by this Betty White news. Are you really? Are you uh, are you I, you just you have the constitution of a clothesline and a windstorm then, quite frankly, because I you're, if that's going to fold you, I don't know what to tell you. Ninety nine year old person dies. Now, it's OK that you're we can be sad that she's gone. And if, if you had a personal relationship with her, I can understand where you're like, oh, you know, she was lovely, I, I guess. And I, but I mean, who is it for me? But then this is where I go with the, with the, there's two sides and who am I to tell people how to grieve? Who am I to tell people what to feel? But I think with the advent of social media, we are all getting these in-depth looks at what everybody feels all the fucking time. And I recognize you're not listening to this fucking show. If I don't tell you what I feel, you know what I mean? And that's another thing I find myself up against because I'm like, I'm like, well, people don't want it because I, I'm transposing the way I feel onto you guys because I, I'm on social media, I'm on Facebook, I'm on all these, you know, whatever the fuck. And I'm like, who the fuck cares? Who gives it? Who, what do you, why would you even hit send on that? What the fuck are you doing? Uh, and then I do a podcast and in my brain, I'm like. Why would anybody give a shit what I have to say if I don't give a shit what anybody else has to say? I'm just another voice in the void. Now, what you need to do at that point is you got to inject some ego and you have to inject some, hey, you know what? I'm fucking, I'm the fucking talent. I'm good at what I fucking do. People laugh at what I say. I'm fucking, I'm a comedian. It's great. Um, but then, but then there's this, <laughs> this would be a bad thing to say. There's a whipped dog mentality inside me too, where I'm like, well, does anybody give a fuck what you have to say? And I know you do. I'm not, I'm not looking for a jerk off. I'm just saying I, my last show was four and a half hours. All right. And it was, it was foolish to do a show that long, but I hadn't done a show in a while. And I'm like, fuck this, just fucking unleash and just do a goddamn show and just keep talking. And again, like I've always said, I talk till I'm done. But after I put out the four and a half hour show, um, you know, I heard from some people and I, I, what I, and I guess what I wanted was I wanted to have people hastily construct a throne and come and scoop me up in it and carry me around town and sing my praises and tell me what a fucking genius I am. That's what I wanted. I won't lie. You know, you want people to just go, Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, I, I remember the first time I ever put out a four-hour podcast years ago. I, it was when I got home from, might have been when I got home from Toronto. I just said I remember it. Then I said I might have. No, it's when I got home from Toronto. I did a four-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> and people were just like, this is the craziest fucking thing. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. And there was a rejoicing in the streets and people were so happy. They wrote me and they're like, oh my, this is, I'm thrilled. And then I put out this four and a half hour podcast. Now, again, I don't know what I expect. 
I, I mean, I, I guess I expect, you know, like I said, the Amazon guy peeks in my fucking window and stares at me. Maybe he could bring me some flowers, whatever the fuck, tell me how great I am. And I already told you that a close friend of mine who I, who has no business, he's an entertainer. He has no business listening to what I do, but yet he listened to the show and he wrote me and he's like, I can't believe you can do this. This is so great. And, and I, you know, that's a month ago he sent me that text and I, and I, I just responded to it today. I, I, <laughs> because again, if you've written me on Facebook, if you've written me on Instagram, if you've written me an email, if you, anything, yeah, I'm, I've, I've hidden myself away from prying eyes. And I know you're thinking to yourself, you can't hide your prying eyes and your smile is a thin disguise. <laughs> well, I thought by now you'd realize, folks, I can hide myself from your prying eyes. And and it's foolish. I, I don't. People are very kind. And like I said, they, they're they like, hey, man, are you OK? Or what's going on? Our good friend Mike Yoder is like, look, and, and this and this is nothing. People are like, hey, man, when you want to do a show, we're here. And that's so awesome. It's amazing when people say stuff like that. But at the same time, it, I, I feel terrible because I'm like, I, it's like I've given them reason to feel for me when in reality I should just do my fucking job and look how many fucking shows in 13 years how many how many shows in the last four years have been about me just going all right you gotta be a shark you gotta move forward you just gotta fucking do it you just gotta fucking do it and and you know half pep talk to myself half show content you know what I mean where I'm like all right well we're fine we'll do this we'll be okay everything's gonna be good um and yet I I you know I, I always find a way to kneecap myself and, and I've got to stop. It's, I will, I will say this to you in this, in this fashion. I don't know if it's, it's a way, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it too. And also I don't go to therapy and none of that, all that's gone. Um, it feels like a light inside of me has gone out. I don't know what that means in the larger context or for the future. But I'm in a, I'm in a mode now where I I'm starting you know it's this thing where and again, uh, <laughs> you don't want to listen to this. This is the thing because this is this is this is but this is truth. This is real. I don't uh, you know I'm 54 and uh, this is where I'm at. You know I'm and this is the thing that I have that, that is more important than anything. And I'm even shunning this and ignoring this because I don't think I'm good enough now to do this. It's like this weird. Uh, shadow has been creeping up and creeping up and now it has consumed me. And I, ne- I never, cause I've always had rage. I might've talked about this on this show cause I've told a few people about it already. I've always been able to rage through things. I've always been able to, cons- you know, just get fucking mad and just fucking, you just do it. What the fuck man. Uh, and, and now, um, you know, it's funny what I always think of Elvis Costello. It's like, I used to be disgusted. Now I try to be amused. And I, and I feel that way a lot of the time where instead of being, cause I, I want, look, I, I was angry for two years of the pandemic. I'm angry at the world. I'm angry at the way things have fallen. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry more than anything. I'm angry at myself, but you also see people acting stupid and you're just like, what the fuck? What is going on? Does nobody else recognize? Like I'll give you an example. All right. Uh, just recently and it's, it's going to be so dumb. But but it's an example. This is completely, and, and you may have seen it too. Uh, I, and look, I don't. It was bad for a while. Where I was really immersing myself in the news and what was going on and, and investing, and, and and now I don't fucking care. I don't give a shit. I watched the Great British Baking Show. I binged the fuck out of that. I'm in the middle of binging Top Chef. I'm just anything to distance myself from what the fuck is really happening. But unfortunately, then when you do that, it also takes you out of your real life that you should be participating in. 
It's very easy to just close the blinds and close the front door and then turn on your television. And there's endless choices. There's so many things I could watch, you know, uh, other than leaving the house to get food, I, I could very easily stay in my apartment and just read all of my books and watch all of, all of the shows that I haven't seen or that I have seen and watching them over and over and over and just, and just survive. That would be fine. And, and that's a scary thing to say out loud and a scary thing to actually be doing. It's true. When you recognize that you're like, well, I've had a good run. That's fucking bananas, especially at 54. But also at the same time, you see those like 75 year old people are like, ah, I tell you what, I got to go out and do some business. Like I just said, like Sammy Hagar still on the fucking road at 74. And I'm like, dude, slow down. Dude, get a fucking Barca lounger. What the fuck are you doing out there? But in reality, what he's doing is the smart thing. I'm the one who's who's got who's got a fucking bag of nacho cheese Doritos strapped to my face like a feed bag. Who's got a stack of fucking chocolate bars like a deck of cards on his fucking side table so he can literally just reach over whenever he wants. When it, I, it's like a vending machine without using, needing money. I just can reach over and grab a chocolate bar and just fucking open it up. It's fucking insane. I've I. And I've told you this before, you know, when I was a kid, I used to always think I was going to die at 54 years old. I always thought to myself, I'm going to die when I'm 54. That was just the number. For some reason, it came to me. I don't want to say it came to me in a dream. It may have been a series of that or, or visions or thoughts or just I thought to myself, well, that seems old, man. 54. Yeah, I'll probably die when I'm 54. Um, and then as I got older, that kind of dissipated clearly because you're living your life and then you're 30 and then you're 35 and uh, then you're 45 and then you're 50 and then you're like, Jesus Christ, 54 is in four years. I don't want to fucking die. I'm still doing fine. Everything's great. Everything's great. And then you turn 54 now and I'm just in my head. I'm like, is this some sort of weird self-fulfilling prophecy? Because I, I mean, I might not be physically dead, but but I have done everything I can to be uh, professionally and creatively dead since I turned 54. Like, is there something in my brain that's forcing me to do that? Have I just made that decision unconsciously and I'm floating through it? And again, the pandemic didn't help, you know, it, it and it didn't help any of you. I'm not saying I'm special. It it wound up, you know, I in the beginning of the pandemic, I was in I had a relationship starting that just that was fucking neutered. It was completely ethered because of because of the pandemic and there was just no way it was going to work going forward. Uh, although, you know, there was there was attempts and things like that, but it just it just fucking you know, when you, <laughs> the pandemic, it, I was in the middle of that, the year of, I will. And I'm like, I had just lost 60 pounds and everything was, I was really feeling it and feeling good. And then I gave myself permission to fail, which I had spent my whole life doing up to that point. And, and here we are. And I'm furious at myself for doing it again. And I've spent a lot of my life being mad at myself. All right. But now uh, it's different because when I was mad at myself before, I was like, fuck, all right, grab your shovel. Get a lunch pail. It's time to go to fucking work. And and I would be like, you've, you've literally hit as much bottom as you can here. Time to go, go up again. And then I'd rage and I'd rage it. And I'd rage this show and I'd rage whatever. And I'd make things happen. And, that, and, and, and now <laughs> I've hit this thing where it's like, I don't, I don't feel any rage. I don't feel much of anything, you know? And, and that's fucking weird, weird. You know, I, I, as I've said many times before, I'm sure I've said things on this show. You know, when I did the one man show, I did, I did success is not an option and I'm not glory dazing. I'm, this is just completely true. When I was doing that, the, pro, the, the epilogue I wrote for that show 
was always that uh, it was a song by Pearl Jam called Life Wasted. And I said, and the lyrics are, I've tasted a life wasted. I've never gone back again. I've faced it a life wasted. I'm never going back again. I escaped it a life wasted. I'm never going back again. So I would let that song play. And then I would step to the microphone and talk. And I literally would say, well, I've faced a life wasted and I've tasted a life wasted. uh, But can I escape a life wasted? I don't know. And here I am 10 years later. Um, (laughs) worse off now than I was then at 44 when I was touring with the show and because I was touring with the show and I was doing, you know, and then, you know, I, I made some choices and blew some things up and, and some things were blown up for me and, 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 and psychically I've, I've, you know, I've taken some hits, man. And we all have, we all have, but I'm the one I have to worry about. And I've, I've been scared because I don't know how to claw out this time, you know, and I, I was very, you know, you go listen to the beginning. It's funny. People, there's a guy, I forget who it is. Uh, Thomas, there's a, I don't know. I probably doesn't want me to say his name anyway, a listener who's been listening from the beginning and he, he's, he wrote me, he's like, dude, he's like, uh, He's like, I'm going to try to get my girlfriend to listen. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, do you not want to stay in a relationship? If you and him fucking, especially the early shows, which, which again, hysterical. But at the same time, some, some woman's going to be like, what are you doing with this idiot? Uh, so then he writes me a note. He wrote it on our discord and he goes, you said, uh, what was it? I said, he goes, you're talking about Britney Spears. You said, oh man, what the fuck? That chick is like four foot nothing. If I went down on her, my tongue would come out of her mouth. It'd be like eating out a puppet. And, uh, and I fucking laughed just reading, just seeing it written. And then he said that his girlfriend has been listening to the show without him, like without him around, she's listening to it now. And, uh, and she thinks it's funny or interesting or great and whatever. Great's probably a word I'm making up, but, but just the very fact that he's listening to these older shows and, and, you know, I was very cocksure. I said a lot of shit back then. And look, I say a lot of dumb shit now, but also I have this weird perspective of like, well, you know, should you also. I, I don't want to hurt anybody. You know what I mean? So, so when you talk about letting your hands go and just fucking saying dumb shit, like I said, midget earlier. And it's like, eh, I mean, that's funny to me because it, it, cause it is, but I mean, it's harmful to small people and whatever the fuck. And I mean, I'm not trying to get anybody upset or sad and I don't want, you know, I don't need you. Well, you shouldn't talk like this and whatever the fuck I, and, and so, and look, it's not even like I'm afraid I'll get in trouble. It's that. I, I just, I, myself, I don't want to bring any harm to anyone. I don't want anyone to be sad or hurt by anything I say. Uh, I don't know. I, and so I don't know what's right. I don't, I, so sometimes, so that, so a lot of times that also gets in my way where I'm like, oh, should you say that? And, and I wind up correcting myself. So that's what I say about taking a hot take. Like, cause like, all right. Cause to me, Betty White, like, and now here we go. We're going to take the, we're going to take, we're going to let our hands go. All right. I'm just letting, I'm just, so I just prefaced it by telling you. That I, uh, you know, I see shit happening and, and I want to talk about it in a, in a funny way. And then I wonder, oh, this is going to bother or hurt somebody because I don't want to hurt anybody. But at the same time, fuck that, right? Because you know what? If it's your fault if you're fucking offended. It, it, shouldn't that be the thing? But also, that's not the thing because you should have empathy and you should care for people. And, I, and I've always said funny is funny. As long as you're fucking funny, it excuses everything. And I truly do believe that. The problem is funny shifted. Like all of a sudden these meatheads took over and made funny something that it, that, that now if it offends you, it's funny. You know what I mean? Like they specifically, they've, they've, 
they've made sure that there's offensiveness built in to to make sure that it's funny because they think it's funnier to make you mad than it is to make you laugh. That's a fucking weird thing, man. And I used to, you know what? I used to be like that in the beginning. I told you I used to do Michael Jordan dad, dead jokes and shit like that. I would, I would say things on purpose to try to trick an audience into getting mad at me so I could see if I could dig myself out of it. And ah, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? All right. So let's let our hands go. Let's talk about Betty White. Uh, you weren't devastated. She died. It's fucking insane. She's 99 years old. Again, you can be sad. You never met this fucking chick. She, and you don't even know anything about her. You know that her public image is that she was nice to people and she fucked down on Ludden and she liked animals. Cool for you. And you liked her in Golden Girls and hot and whatever the fuck. And I, that's great. What are you, she could have been a fucking complete terrible person behind the scenes. You don't know if she was a, a cunt to everybody. And look, I saw her Ryan Reynolds ad and I thought it was great. I thought it was fucking awesome. And I do think she was a wonderful person and a lovely lady. But, but people are like, oh, so devastated. It's not even... I'm not even upset that you're devastated. All right, because let's put it this way. I don't want let's take that off the table. Maybe you are devastated. Maybe the loss of Betty White is a tragedy on par with you losing somebody in your own family. And that's fine. But in reality, why are you fucking telling anybody about it? Why are you immediately running to a keyboard? And I will tell you this. You're going to be like, well, Mike, you're a hypocrite because another guy died and you wrote about him. And I'm like, well, yes. All right. I know. And, and because I felt like I wanted to share something. And I know everybody would be like, well, that's the thing. I wanted to share something. And it's like, I guess. I don't I don't know. Is it the same? Really? <laughs> because eventually, you know, you start running out of shit. Like, you know, Howard Hessman died. Are you going to run to your fucking computers? And oh, my God, head of the class was a pr- pr- pivotal moment for me. I don't, I don't fucking care, man. I just don't. But also at the same time, I don't need to read this shit. It just comes up in my fucking feed. So what do I do? I can just skim right by it. I don't need to fucking read it and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Fucking, but Betty White died, and then Bob Saget died, and fucking Louis Anderson died, and Howard Hesman is dead, and Sidney Poitier is dead, and Jesus Christ, what a fucking crazy celebrity holocaust has gone on since I was last here. See, I think I'm the linchpin. I should, if I'm broadcasting, these people are still alive. It's my fault. If if they if because I was the one constant in all of their lives. <laughs> Once the show stopped coming out on Thursday, they were like, "Oh man, I what we don't have anything to look forward to," and they lost their wills to live. Their collective wills to live went out the fucking window, man. Hesman and Poitier, Anderson and Saget, Loaf and White, they're done. All because of me putting my show on a goddamn shelf and neutering myself creatively. What a fucking jerk. See, blame me for that. That's my fault. A meatloaf dying is fucking weird. Not weird because, again, 74 and fat and won't get vaccinated. And that's another. let's talk about that for just a fucking second. The very fact that, like, he dies, right? Meatloaf dies. And... Yeah, maybe there are people who don't like him. There'll be people or whatever the fuck. And also there are people, they just assume it's a joke. Ha ha, meatloaf, a singer. He's old and dead. Whatever. Cause that's the fucking world now. Uh, but then when it turned out that he was anti-vax and he's a Trump idiot and all that stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I'm never going to wear a mask. And, and then everybody, so then inevitably he dies and everybody on the planet has to get off there. He would do anything for love, but he wouldn't wear a mask. Fucking, he wouldn't get vaxxed. Fucking take. They all got to launch that joke into the ether, not realizing it is the lowest of low hanging fucking fruit, but they all did it. Everybody fucking did it. And uh, even worse, dude, like, like when I talk about how I now have empathy or I have, I, I think I told you the, the joke that made me change and look, I, and it didn't really make me change because I still talk a bunch of shit. But a few years ago, I wrote a joke about Sean Penn 
and there was a like a wildfire or something or an earthquake and he lost his house. And there was an article about it. It was devastating loss for Sean Penn because he had had a, a bunch of, he had a whole house that had like all of his family memorabilia and uh, some stuff from his father, like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And I read the article and I, and the, the joke, I, not even a joke, just the shitty fucking comment I came up with on stage was uh, everybody feels bad for Sean Penn. Well, I'll tell you what, I, cause his house burned down. I'll tell you what, if Sean Penn's bank burns down, then I'll feel bad for him. Um, and I would do that on stage. It's not even funny. It was just a stupid, mean thing to say. And it would get me into another bit about celebrities. But, you know, I think about it now and I look back and I'm like, you fucking shithead. Like he, he might've lost his, his baby pictures of his mother. He might've, I mean, he's a human being, even though he's, he's, you know, morphing into whatever the fuck he is now. He's just literally a, a leather jacket and a cigarette with a voice. But uh, which is strange, right? When you're all of a sudden now you're like 66 and now you're still maintaining your weird, tough bad boy thing. Just fucking ease into the fucking grandpa thing, buddy. You know, nobody needs you walking around that, you know, rebel without a causing it. You know, if James Dean hadn't died, he would have been selling coffee in 20 years. You know what I mean? He'd been Joe DiMaggio. Fuck Mr. Coffee. That would have been James Dean. So, so for Sean Penn to lean into that aesthetic at 67 years old or whatever the fuck. And look, and I respect Sean Penn. The fact that he's out there fucking rowing boats to people in, in fucking floods and giving them jetpacks or whatever he's doing and going to Portugal and saving somebody at the beach, whatever he's doing, all that shit that he does, good for him. Go have superhero adventures. What the fuck? Why not? You're rich and famous. That's what rich and famous people should be doing. They shouldn't be talking about fucking... Anytime some rich and famous person gives their opinion on something, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You won. You fucking won. You don't need it. You don't need it all to ever sit here and give me. I don't need to hear what you fucking think. Like two, like a month ago or whatever the fuck. Brian May talked some shit about like trans people and they shouldn't be up for the same awards. What? I don't even look. I don't even know what the fuck it was because again, I don't care what it was. The very fact that I know that Brian May has an opinion about trans people is fucked. Who cares? Jesus Christ. You're Brian May. You're in queen. First of all. You're, you're literally you're half. The only reason we know who you are, quite frankly, is because you played lead guitar by a band for a band fronted by a feather. All right. And, and so you shouldn't ever, 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 ever have any injecting to go in to talk about the LGBT community and, and some negative opinion. You should you owe your life to, to the, the fucking biggest BQ there ever was, for fuck's sake. And and. You should and just look again if you're fucking they asked him about trans people or whatever about cancel culture and he and he had some bullshit. He he said it was cancel culture, or whatever. Dude, you're Brian May. All you gotta do is go, you know what? Uh I think people should be happy. And whatever people need to be happy in their lives, I hope they're able to do it without hurting anyone else. Thank you. We will rock you. And walk the fuck out. That's what you gotta do. That should be your stock answer if you're a celebrity. If you insist on talking to anybody about any of this bullshit. You shouldn't be fucking waving your Norma Ray sign in the air and just going, ah, trans people out of my bathroom. What the fuck are you talking about? Clapton with the vaccines. What the fuck are you doing, Clapton? You fucking nobody. Your kid took a swine dive out of a fucking window because of your ridiculous opinions and you're still spouting them, you dick. Why? What? Jesus fucking Christ. If you're a celebrity, don't ever talk. Don't. I mean, you won. You won. Clapton, you won. Eric, how do you feel about vaccinations? Uh, well, you know, honestly, I think everyone should be able to do whatever they want to do anytime they want to do it. But quite frankly, whatever keeps the rest of us safe is the smart play. I think that's how we handle it. 
You don't have to, you don't even have to, and you don't even have to comment on it. You just go, you know what? I'm a musician. This is out of my pay grade. And, uh, you know what? Any, anything, there's any other answer you could fucking give. And, and yet still fucking like JK Rowling. She wrote Harry Potter. She literally wrote a, she invented, this is her whole life. She wrote a story about a a four-year-old who knows magic. You wrote, you wrote a story about a four-year-old magician and a guy without a nose, the end. And somehow it made you a billionaire. You wrote a bunch of stories about uh, uh, a wizard school. <laughs> Just saying it out loud sounds fucking stupid, right? Hey, man, how are, why are you famous? Because I invented a wizard school. Uh, and uh, there's a guy without a nose who's totally mean to everybody. And uh, it's great. And then they made movies out of it, whatever the fuck. And now I'm crazy rich. Now, I literally, I I, I have bonfires with $100 bills, with 100-pound notes, whatever the fuck. And, uh, and yet... She's decided that after all of that and getting her billion dollars, she needs to take a stand against people who are hurting or people who are just looking for acceptance or people just trying to live their fucking lives. Like, don't you understand you're giving license to people who are dumb to spout the same bullshit you are? And it makes me question whether or not you are dumb. Clearly, you're not dumb. You invented a wizard school, but... Uh, there are a lot of other fucking sodbusters out there who fucking follow your lead and then they go punch a, a, a trans person on the street because you said it was okay. Just be famous. Spend your billions. There's so many beautiful things in the world. Why wouldn't you go look at all of them? I guess you're probably bored at that point. If you've got a billion dollars, you've got to be crazy bored. Like I said, like with Elvis, you know, when you're fucking rich, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You could be like, hey, go, you know what? Do me a favor. Go to the high school. Get all the girls. Put them on a bus. Bring them over here. We're going to give them bikinis and just film them for no reason. Not even filming the camera. Let's just tell them there's a video shoot and they'll all just hop around and get wet and I'll be excited in my fucking rhinestone suit. Why not? Do it. You've got all the money in the fucking world. Now, that might be more harmful than talking shit in the press now that I think about it, but still. Uh, But regardless, so Meatloaf dies, right? And he's anti-vaxxed. And now, as I've said before, and that's another reason, too, with coming to you guys with the show, you know where I stand. And I feel like constantly harping on it. I, I don't I don't want to be the people that I hate when I see them out there. Like, again, I'm just, you know, I'll just say this. I think Sarah Silverman is very talented. But all of a sudden she, you know, whenever anybody tells me that Joe Rogan is a fucking idiot. Yes, I, I hear what you're saying. But Sarah Silverman has pivoted to being from being a comedian to being like a an advice person and i get to see clips of her all the time now giving common common sense knowledge advice or whatever the fuck she's doing to people and i'm just like wait she i i saw her say chink on a late night show i mean i i no offense i'm sure and i look and it's a great joke i love the fucking joke but it doesn't mean that she should be the one solving the fucking gaza strip crisis i mean i why is that happening I did, whenever the conventions happen, I talked about it. When everybody's like, oh, fucking Scott Barrow is so fucking stupid. And Clint Eastwood talked to a chair. And there's Kevin Sorbo, these fucking idiots. And I want to go, yeah. Um, you know, Sarah Silverman is is kind of the exact same thing. Just on your side, she agrees with what you say. Oh, no, it's not the same. Uh. And whether I think the Duck Dynasty guys, who I don't even know if they still exist, are stupid or not. Bringing them on stage at a convention is just as stupid as bringing up Sarah Silverman. It doesn't. Who gives a fuck? I understand it's celebrities and all that bullshit, and then that's the culture we live in. But you can't sit here and be like, "Well, that person is an asshole, but this person's awesome," just because they agree with you. I resent the fact that when people die now from COVID, I'm supposed to laugh and be like, "Ha ha, jerks!" 
And I have, I have taken that Schadenfreude attempt at, at some people when I see like this dumb fucking cop who just who, who resigned on the air and said, "I, you know, fuck, kiss my ass, Governor Inslee, ha ha." And two months later, he's died of COVID at fifty-one because he apparently decided it was it was better to die than stay alive by getting medicine because five G. And Q and whatever the fuck else goes in your arm. I don't I don't have any idea. All I know is, you know, life is is it's the only life you have. That's it. I mean, that ass fuck, even if he thinks even if even if that fucking nobody believes in reincarnation, he's like, ha ha, I'm not getting the vax. Fuck you, governor. Dead in two months. Well, now you're just reincarnated back into a world where there's still vaccinations. You dumb fuck. What do you think you'd wind up on Jupiter? It's not going to fucking happen. Your ghost is going to roam the earth looking at people in masks and going, ah, I should have worn a goddamn mask. What's wrong with me? Then you're going to try to bother Norm Macdonald. He's going to go get the fuck away from me. I don't know who you are. Because again, celebrities are just little celebrities in ghost town. It's not like you get to be fucking palling around with any of these fucking people. Jesus Christ. Who do you think you are? You're going to go talk to these people? Hey, who are you? Well, I'm Bob Saget. I used to host America's Funniest Home Videos. I know, I know. I'm the cop who resigned on the air by telling the governor to kiss his ass, and then I died from not getting a vax shot. Want to go get a drink? No, I don't want to get a drink with you. And it's not even much your anti-vax shit. But also, I'm a celebrity. I'm going to go to celebrity heaven or ghost town or whatever the fuck it is. And you can stay down here with the plebs, you fucking nobody. Why don't you get on the radio and broadcast that? <laughs> fuck. I don't I don't have a point to any of this. I just I the point is that we're just we're all far too overexposed because also I'll tell you this. Uh, oh, I was talking about meatloaf. Let, let's finish that meatloaf. He dies and he's unvaxxed and everybody makes fun of him. And uh, I, I saw literally within a day I saw the you know, he would do anything for love, but he won't get vaxxed. Ha ha ha. I saw that joke. And then I saw the meme of it was meatloaf in an oven. It was like, ah, meatloaf, you, you just turn it up to 400 and then you wait for all eternity. Ha, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. And, uh, and then people saying, you know, then the people who are like, oh man, you know how, how I'll bet Betty White is ignoring meatloaf in heaven right now. You know, all the dumb shit, every, every dumb low hanging fucking fruit joke that you could possibly imagine. And I just was, and I'm reading them and I'm like, I, like, I, I love Ben out of hell. You know this. Uh, when Steinman died, I talked about it here on the show and it was, it was such a tragedy to lose his talent. In my opinion, you know, I thought he was a talented guy. He meant a lot to me, but also he was a guy who didn't take care of himself. And I understood why he died. I wasn't devastated, but it was, but I was devastated when Eddie died. Eddie was a hero to me. So maybe Betty White is a hero to some people maybe, but, but I don't understand the other side of it. The making fun of meatloaf, the making fun of people when they don't get vaxxed, making fun of people for dying because, you know, I've met meatloaf's daughter. Uh, Pearl, you know, she's married to Scott from Anthrax and I've been to parties and this is a million years ago, but with, you know, Brian Pussain and Brian's great friends with them. And then Pearl and, and Scott would come to the party as well. I'd be there, whatever, or at comedy shows, you'd see them all the time at the UCB and they're, they're just, she's lovely. You know, they're nice people. And, uh, her dad died and you might want to make a joke and you might think it's the hot patootie guy and it's meatloaf and, and the big fat sweaty guy with scarves still somebody's dad. And, uh, and I have a, again, I have a personal connection. So of course it lands a little closer to me because she was very nice and she loved her dad and, and it's a shame what happened. It's terrible. Um, 
And that, that, that's what I'm saying, though, where I'm conflicted with the hot take things where, you know, I, I normally make fun of people for doing dumb shit and stuff. But then in my brain, I'm kind of like, well, I, you know, but I also do dumb shit. That that's that's a crossroads I found myself at with this show. Uh, and I don't want to be the good news guy. You know, I can't be Krasinski going out there and going, guys, did you hear about a puppy? I mean, what the fuck is that? I don't want to be that dude either. But also ranting at shit when you're seeing both sides is, is difficult because you have to subsume who you are then. Like I said, I could be Alex Jones. I could just be some bullshitting asshole who's just like, oh, and another thing, and you won't believe this, you know, all that stuff. Um, but but that's exhausting. Like, I have a, you know, Jimmy Dore is a comic I worked with in Chicago, and Jimmy Dore is a gigantic celebrity right now. And I know you're thinking, well, no, he's not. Well, in certain circles, he's huge. He's, he's you know, in comedy, he's not nearly as big as he is, he w- is now as a political pundit commentator. I mean, the guy's on fucking... Tucker Carlson, he's all over the place. He's, he's just, and he, you know, he's making unbelievable money doing it. The guy just bought a fucking million and a half dollar house in studio city. And I only know that because it was in the Los Angeles times. And I'm like, what the fuck? Cause it's a comedian, Jimmy Dore. I'm like, what? And I, I can be honest with you. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the phrase, you know, it, out of the entertainment section. If I ever saw the words comedian, Jimmy Dore, I would have to think the next two words would be tragically killed. Uh, but in, you know, unless it was, you know, cause in the entertainment section, it's about his life, but if this was in a fucking real estate section, I'm like, what the fuck? It popped up on my screen and I clicked on it and there you go. And, and Jimmy's got a house and he's fucking doing extremely well. And that's great. Good for him. He's found a niche. Do I agree with any of it? No, it's, it's absolutely not for me at all. Uh, but also not even the message or his beliefs, whatever the fuck he's got to do to keep shoveling coal into the flames and keep the Titanic running is fine. The ship running. I shouldn't say the Titanic because that makes it think I'm going to sink. I, I don't think it's going to sink. I think he's doing, he's very smart and he's, he knows what he's doing. Um, and he may believe these things. That's fine. Uh, but what I'm saying is I, I see him, I, that, you know, him and Tim Dillon. I, I was, Pat didn't know who Tim Dillon was. And I was trying to tell him who Tim Dillon was. And then uh, I said, all right, here's something you'll understand. Uh, he makes, I think it's I think it's a hundred thousand dollars a month on Patreon. It might even be more than that. And Pat looked at me like, "What the fuck?" And I go, "Uh huh, yeah." And I look. Do I think Tim Dillon's funny? I do. I have to admit it. Uh, I've seen his clips, and he's he's got funny in his bones. He's a funny dude. But also, uh, man, that just seems exhausting. What he does now, he does it extremely well, and he does it great. Um. And, and is there a, is there a small part of me that sees a guy who's ranting, making money and going, oh man, I could have done that. Yeah. A little bit. I'm not saying I'm as funny or as talented or as good, but you know, maybe I am. Uh, (laughs) but also I, I, I couldn't truck with that every goddamn day. I mean, there's just, I, I just that fucking outrage, the industry of outrage, just fucking constantly fueling it. And taking the op- uh, the opposing side and and it it all just seems so fucking like you just want to sleep after a day of doing that being on your show and shouting about it or going i mean it it and i get it you're making bank and you're you're playing to people and you're never going to go wrong i you know this is an unfa- it's an unfair statement because maybe tim believes all these things he might jimmy might believe all these things they might but for me i just i just find it to be like i said outrage for outrage sake 
and also for money's sake. And there's nothing wrong with that. Make all the fucking money. Cause I mean, I'm sitting here. Hey, look, you know, I'll just share this with you. Uh, I just got a tax bill a couple of weeks ago that, that knocked me on my ass and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. And <laughs> let's put it this way. Tim, Tim Dillon could pay my tax bill four times with a month of his Patreon. Uh, <laughs> but I am not Tim Dillon. And oh, so I let that, that showed up and then that made me even spiral further. Where I'm like, oh, well, fuck, what's the point of this? And now I'm here and I've got this debt and then blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and when in reality, I should be doing the fucking show because you guys are the only thing keeping me fucking afloat at this goddamn point. So it's it's silly to avoid this. What a fucking goon. I don't know. Uh, so Meatloaf died and and Pat and I just did a show. If you don't know, it's out there. I'll, I'll just tell you, I did a rock solid episode with Pat and you'll have to look in the archives. I think it's from a couple of weeks ago. Um, but Pat and I did a show about Meatloaf and it's it's also four and a half hours. It's crazy long. It is a, a long ass show about Meatloaf. And then Meatloaf dies. And this is now, this is the third time this has happened for me and Pat. Pat and I are the, we are the the angel of death for these rock stars. And granted, that's because we wind up seeing these old fucking rock stars. But, you know, it happened with David Cassidy. We saw David Cassidy at the Canyon Club in Agoura Hills. And uh, it was a terrible show. We were actually tweeting about it and putting it on Facebook. He was drunk. He fell down during the show. It was just bad news, man. Uh, and it went viral on TMZ, not our not our posts, but other people's posts. And uh, because people were tagging TMZ because, again, fantastic society. But also, I was making fun of him. I was posting it on Facebook and going, this is fucking awful. Uh, you know, so I can't be all high and mighty. And then he died like two weeks later. Because first, then he said... He had, what did he have? I don't know, lupus, Alzheimer's, some bullshit. He made something up about, instead of saying he was drunk, he had some disease. And then he wound up dying two weeks later. And I'm like, God damn it, that was his last public appearance. And we were we were there. We fucking killed him. What a drag. Uh, and I would have never thought anything of it until then we saw the monkeys uh, a couple of months ago. And we saw them at the Greek theater. And watching the show, yeah, I didn't sit with Pat. I bought my own ticket and he was with another buddy. And afterwards, I was like, man, that was rough for Nesmith. And he's like, yeah. And I go, cause I, from my seat, the vantage point I had, I could see the wings of the stage. Okay. So I could see, um, stage left backstage. So I could see the band performing and there's Mickey, but also I could see in the wings, Mike Nesmith and Mike Nesmith had handlers with an S and they would be, they would bring him up with like their hands on their sh- on his shoulders and stop him at an, at like an arrow and he would just stand there, kind of slumped shoulder, looking at the ground. And then uh, Mickey would say something, and then they would pat him on the shoulder, and they'd kind of gently push him, and then he'd walk on stage. It was like he had no idea what was going on. It, it, it appeared to me as if he did not understand what was happening. And then he came out, and, uh, you know, he sang. He did, you know, to, to whatever end a 78-year-old man can sing. And then he would talk to the crowd, and he would trail off. And then everybody would clap because they were just happy to be in the room with him. And, uh, but it was, it was really, and it was the last show of their tour and it was supposedly their farewell show forever. That was what I was told. And that was why I bought the ticket. And then they rescheduled a show that they were going to do two months later in like Tennessee. I'm like, you fucking idiots. I just bought this ticket. because It's the last time I ever get to see you. Well, <laughs> I got news for you. It turned out to be the last time I ever saw them. It was the last time anybody ever saw them because fucking Michael Nesmith died like two weeks later. And, uh, and, and Pat and I called Pat and I go, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are we doing? 
And then sure enough, we do the meatloaf rock solid. And uh, we recorded it a month ago, but then he, he, it gets released and then he winds up dying a week later. And I'm like, man, are we, you know who we are? We're like the ring. We're like the girl in the well from the ring for rock stars. If you, if you, if I go see your show, it's reversed. If I go see your show, you're going to be dead in a week or two weeks, actually. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Just I, and I'm seeing sparks next week. So bad news for the Mayall brothers. That's going to be terrible. news. They, they should pay to, you know what? I should make this a lucrative thing where they pay to keep us out where we don't go to these fucking shows anymore. These people are just like, all right, yeah, that's fine. Don't show up. But I, I guess, you know, like I said, grieve the way you want to grieve. See how I talk myself out of it. Like I'm all, I'm all ready to fucking fire. And then I go, well, then what are you doing here? And, and that's, that doesn't make for a good show or good content. Nobody wants to hear me learning on the air. Nobody wants to hear me evolve. You want to hear hot takes. Aha, Betty White, what a cunt. You know, that's then you're like happy. Yay. Listen to what Mike said. Uh, even though I, I found her to be beloved as well. I didn't hate her. I didn't love her. I didn't, you know, it wasn't any of those things. I just thought she was great. Whatever. She was fine. But she wasn't anybody that meant anything to me. But she may have meant things to other people. Because also, at the same time, uh, there were deaths that meant something to me while I was not broadcasting. There was a guy in Chicago, a guy named Les Grobstein. Uh, he was a sportscaster. And I wrote a thing on Facebook, like a little tribute, whatever you want to call it to him. And I, uh, you know, he, in 1977, sports phone premiered in, in Chicago sports phone. You could call up a number. It was, it was nine, three, six, one, three, one, three. And I would call it and they would give you scores, this two minute update about scores or whatever the fuck. And I, I, it was fascinating to me. I was 10 and I would, I would listen to it and I loved it so much. And Les Grobstein was one of the main guys, Pat Benkowski for sports phone, David Schuster for sports phone, Fred Hubner for sports phone, Les Grobstein for sports phone. And, uh, God, I loved it. And I wanted, I couldn't believe that you could just call up and hear about sports. And I wanted to do that. I wanted, when I got older, I just wanted to be a guy who just talked about sports on the phone. I didn't even like, I was 10. I didn't think he made money. I didn't care if he made money. All I knew is you could call up and get somebody telling you about sports and they would change it every 15 minutes. The worst would be when you'd call up in 14 minutes and hear the same report. You'd be like, oh man, but you'd listen anyway because I loved hearing somebody talk about sports. And Les Grobstein was one of those guys. And then Les Grobstein became a broadcaster on like WLS and he was on with Steve Dahl and he was on WLS with Larry Lujak and these, these legends, these, you can't tell the story of these broadcasting legends without including Les Grobstein. He was a key part of their show because he was a foible. They would make fun of him. They would tease him. They would goof on him and he would fucking ride with it. Uh, he was a straight man essentially. And they would make fun of him all the time. And he was fine. He understood. He would even say, Hey man, I got a role on the show. Sometimes you got to pick on a guy. And, uh, and to have to be that well adjusted to be picked on and in, in the third largest media market in the country and realize it. I mean, I, that's fascinating to me. Uh, he was an everyman. He was a schlub. He was a guy who loved Chicago sports, whatever he was. He, he meant something to me. Now you, you don't give a fuck about Les Grobstein. You're probably making fun of his name. And, and I understand that, but he had meaning to me and it's terrible. So I guess maybe there's somebody who was saved by the golden girls. Maybe there's somebody whose greatest moments were watching the Mary Tyler Moore show with their mom and then they lost their mom. But then as they were in hospice with their mom, they would watch the Mary Tyler Moore show and remember better times. I don't know. See, that's the thing is that that encroaches upon my ability to just burn everything to the fucking ground. 
and to make fun of people. I mean, I look, I do still make fun of people. I do. But then I go, oh man, what are you doing here? You're wrong here. I mean, could you feel the same way about something else? Do you have to go this route? And yes, because it's funny, <laughs> but also at the same time, I don't, I don't do no harm, you know? And what harm is it if somebody loved Betty White? But it's also just ridiculous that people immediately run to their keyboards to go, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. But also I wrote a tribute to Les Grobstein. You see what I mean? It's just, it's all, there's so many facets and it confuses me. And that's why it makes me go, well, nobody wants to hear me do this because I'm a hypocrite because I, I love Les Grobstein, but I make fun of the fact that Betty White died. It's just, it's, you know, I, like I have no connection to Bob Saget. I didn't watch America's Home Videos, but I have friends who loved him. You know what I mean? They they loved him from his show and they knew him in person. My friend Mike Toomey in Chicago is was really good friends with Bob Saget. He would open for him whenever he came to Chicago, stayed in contact with him, said he was just the fucking sweetest guy. And, uh, and you know, it's a shame. It's a shame when anybody goes, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> I have no moral, man. I got no, I got no, I got nothing to tell you, but I'm just telling you that these things they play upon me, you know, where I, I go, well, can you just go in and burn it all down? Or, or do you have to recognize that there's other facets and sides to all of these things? You know, I mentioned that Les Grobstein died. Um, my favorite hockey player of all time, a childhood idol of mine died. A guy named Clark Gillies played for the New York Islanders. When he was in the league, he was known as he was, he was one of the toughest guys in the league. He was known uh, as maybe the best fighter in the National Hockey League. And he, he had that reputation because, A, in a playoff series against the Boston Bruins, the Islanders used to always get pushed around. They'd always get pushed around constantly by the tougher teams, the Flyers, the Bruins, all these fucking hard asses because the Islanders were finesse team. Well, then they bring up Gillies, who's 6'3", 225, power forward. And uh, they played the Bruins in the playoffs, and he fucking fought Terry O'Reilly four times. Terry O'Reilly was a, one of the badasses on the Bruins, along with fucking John Wensink and Stan Jonathan and a bunch of these dudes. And uh, and the fights with O'Reilly, you know, it was probably 2-2, but the fact that he would stand up for the team galvanized the team. They went on to win fucking four straight Stanley Cups. And he was the captain for a while before Trache took over. And I loved watching him. His nickname was Jethro because he was just a big fucking dude. But also, he had uh, all of the skill in the world. He would score goals. He played on the top line. He he was a fearsome presence, whether he was scoring or fighting. He was to be feared both ways. And he made the Hall of Fame a few years ago. And it was fucking phenomenal. And and he's just, I have I have a Clark Gillies Islanders sweater. I have it in my closet. It's too small for me because I'm a giant, uh, but eventually I will lose enough weight to wear it because I loved him. He was, he was an idol growing up, Mike Schmidt and Clark Gillies and Walter Payton and, you know, uh, Dr. J and Daryl Dawkins and, and Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, I had guys, I mean, I, I had to have favorite guys when I was a kid. Hubert Green was my favorite golfer for no reason, just because green was my favorite color. And I decided that Hubert Green was a good guy to love. I loved Bjorn Borg. He was my favorite tennis player. I thought he was so cool looking. When you're a kid, that matters. When you're a kid, you have favorites. You love things. And I loved Clark Gillies. And he just died of cancer at 64. And that's too fucking soon. You know? Especially when you're 54. I don't know, man. So, oh, 
you know what I forgot to tell you? I literally just glanced down. Uh, when I was watching the little sweet commercial, <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. I, I don't know where I'm going with the death thing, man. I just know the people have died. And, and if anybody you, you, you know, if you were invested in any of these people who died, then it's a terrible thing. And it's look, it's a terrible thing that they're dead. Anyway, Howard Hessman brought joy to people. Sidney Poitier brought joy and dignity to people. Not that Hessman didn't bring dignity. Sounds like I'm parsing. Louis Anderson was beloved. There was a pasta made in the shape of Louis Anderson. It's not a joke. There was a fucking SpaghettiOs that looked like Louis Anderson. Man, you've arrived. If Bob Saget's talking about your dog licking his balls, fucking Louis Anderson is, he was, he was in a can. They had Louis Anderson in a fucking can. God damn, that's amazing. Meatloaf's in Fight Club. I can find something to love with all of these people and the things that they did. So that's why when I come in here with guns blazing and wanting to tear shit apart, I feel stupid sometimes. What do I know, man? The fuck do I know? <laughs> on the Dr. Pepper commercial, Lil Sweet is on there, and I was watching once, and a little fucking blurb went by, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And like I said, it was like one of those dots when they're testing your eyes, and I was like, what is that? So the next time the commercial came, I looked down, and I tried to catch it super fast, and I thought I saw a name, but I'm like, well, no, that doesn't. That's not real. And then sure enough, the third time I saw the commercial, it said featuring Justin Guarini as Little Sweet. So not only was Justin Guarini Little Sweet, he he somehow has the most powerful agents in Hollywood because they finagled a credit for him in a commercial like that. That is, have you have you ever watched a commercial? Like, let me ask you this. You know who Flo from Progressive is? No, you don't. But you see her every fucking day. That's actress Stephanie Courtney comedian stephanie courtney who was incredibly lovely to me when i met her here in los angeles when i first got to town in 97 we would do open mics uh and she's the best and but that's stephanie courtney playing flow but they don't put stephanie courtney as flow in the commercial you know what i mean it's it's unheard of so for the fact that justin guarini wound up having his fucking agents somehow finagle him a credit in a commercial that's that's some fucking show business power that I didn't think Justin Guarini was wielding. I don't know what the, that, and I, who were the Dr. Pepper people that are so desperate for Justin Guarini that they acquiesced to that demand. All right. Uh, we think Justin is our little sweet. Terrific. You've got to tell the world. Well, all right, well, we'll put out a press release. No, no. Uh, we believe here at team Guarini that you should put a credit in the commercial itself, stating that Justin Guarini as Lil Sweet, uh, that's what people are watching. Oh, no, no, why? Uh, you, you understand we're a, we're a sugar water business, right? You do get that. We're we're not in the hey, who wants to buy Justin Guarini business? We're in the we're in the drink this and get diabetes business. And Guarini's giving nobody diabetes. He might be giving them Guarinides, but he's not giving them diabetes. And that's the business we're in. You don't tell the doctor what to do. And then you would think it would end right there. But no, Justin agents, they draw a fucking line in the sand and they're like, oh, really? Well, no credit, no Guarini. And unbelievably, the Dr. Pepper executives folded. They, they, those panty wastes, they were like, what? We, no Guarini. What? I, that doesn't make, well, what do we, how do we? And, uh, and they capitulated and they folded. And now to this day, the world knows that Justin Quarini is a little sweet. And if you didn't know the story, now you do, damn it. Now you do. 
I'm going to end on that, right? I, don't, I forgot how to do this show. Isn't there supposed to be some poignant ending? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm getting on a plane in an hour and 15 minutes, so probably this is a good idea to end it because I still got plugs to do. Oh, my God. I should have done the plugs in the beginning. I owe fucking Jesuit an apology. Uh, you guys can get me at MikeAndMyschmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friend on Facebook.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. And also, I'm on Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok at Mike40YOB, mike 40 Y-O-B. Why wouldn't you find me there? I'm there to be seen. God damn it. I'm, I'm beloved. Just like Betty goddamn white. Uh, check me out on those, all those formats and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm there. Follow me. Thanks to, uh, everyone who's reached out, everyone who's super kind and nice to me and, and told me that everything was going to be okay. And I, I will believe you, I guess, or I'll try. Um, like I said, this is going to be the show this week and then we'll be back uh, next week. Um, this is Tuesday, February 1st. We'll probably be back Thursday, February 10th. That's what I'm going to say. Cause I don't even get back to town here until Tuesday, the, the, uh, the eighth. Um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll jump on it earlier, but we will do our best. And again, talk is cheap. You don't give a fuck when the show's up, the show will be up, but please know, please know this isn't a joke to me. This isn't me going like, ha ha. Um, I find it quite dangerous that I give myself permission to slide like this. And I have to do what I can to extricate myself from this fucking slide down this fucking glacier into nowheresville. I got to fucking fix it. So thank you for bearing with me. Uh, love you guys. You're all super cool. I appreciate it. And, uh, did you know David does a show? What? I, yeah, I forgot <laughs> to tell you about David. Jesus Christ. It's been a while guys, been a month. Our great friend, David Hernandez. Uh, he does a fucking podcast. He's got a page. First of all, be his friend at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. You can go ahead and be his friend. That's awesome. Uh, and while you're being his friend there, you can check out his page. This is dumb. That's dumb. You're dumb. I'm dumb. He's ready, ready for you to check it out and love it. You will love every second of it. It's uh, him controlling the internet for some weird reason. You want to hire him to do artwork? You can, you can get him at artbydmh.com. My mouth is so dry right now. Artbydmh.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. Check out all of the, the artwork he's done on that website and also on his Facebook page. If you go, like I said, to become his friend on Facebook, you can scroll through. Right now, he's putting out some fucking amazing paintings of the Who and the Stones and the Beatles, just fucking these legends. It's, it's, it's astonishing the level of talent this guy has. Uh, and you can witness it as well in audio fashion. By listening to his podcast, the Flem Cat Podcast, that's two words, Flem Cat, and it's P-H-L-E-G-M. The Flem Cat Podcast is available for you wherever the finer podcasts are released. Uh, he is doing uh, amazing singing work. He's doing voices. He's got bits. It's just him talking and telling stories. It's just a overall rubric of, of awesomeness, and you should check it out right now. The Flem Cat Podcast is available in the iTunes store. Uh, go ahead and check it out, please. That'd be fantastic. And follow him anywhere you can. But Facebook is the main place. He's on Instagram, too. Uh, I, is he David Max Hernandez on Facebook, on Instagram? He might be. Regardless, the the main place to find him is at Facebook. Facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez.
at night Forty walks among you Bet you never knew Danger that's above you Waiting for his turn Will he be the one who will save the world for you Or will he be the one who'd rather watch it burn He's deep inside his head again He can't hear you anymore You don't want to be in there with him Who will save you from his silver war Yeah, ain't no joke
Oh, didn't you miss those commercials? Don't you love having them in your life? I hope you did. I hope you do. Hold on. I'm getting a text that's very important. Let me check this text. It's, uh, well, it's a text from Fearful Jesuit who literally just texted me and said, what time's your flight? Because I assured him there would be a show up before I left town <laughs> because uh, let's do let's do this. I owe, I owe Fearful Jesuit an apology. This is a man who sponsors the show. Did you know we have sponsors? We do. Uh, look, you barely knew we had a show <laughs> anymore, but we still have sponsors for the show. And one of them is the Paranoid Strain podcast with our good friend Fearful Jesuit. And uh He's been unbelievably nice and understanding. He has reached out to me uh, and he's like, hey, man, the, <laughs> here's this will tell you what a good friend he is. Literally, he's like, there's only one thing I have to ask, please. I'm asking if you can please have a show up January 6th because it's very important to, to go with my show. And I said, of course, there will be a show up January 6th. And here we are. Because, again, he obviously forgot about the tradition where we blow off January. So now... Uh, February 1st, I can tell you about his show that came out January 6th. Isn't that great? Uh, and I, I did him a disservice because this is an unbelievable piece of work. You should check it out if you haven't already. Uh, it is, it's the Paranoid Strain musical. That's the only way to describe it. It is the 9116 rock opera. It is available right now in your iTunes. Now, I think he just put out another statement, like a, like a state of the podcast thing, but it's easily downloaded on uh, from his from iTunes or from Spotify. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's on Spotify, and I guess things are really kind of picking up for him over there. So go ahead if you want to check him out on Spotify. That's great as well. Uh, he's available in the Apple I, the podcast space, wherever you want to look. He's good there. Uh, hey, I'm on Spotify, too. While you're there getting podcasts from Paranoid Strain, why not uh, check me out? I do podcasts occasionally, once a month. Uh, but he's over there at Spotify and doing great things. But this... Like, I can't even, it's one of these things where like, no matter what I say, you're going to be like, you're lying. And it sounds like I'm, I'm jerking him off and I, and I don't mean to, you know, and also you're like, well, he pays the sponsor. Yes. But I also don't lie to you guys. Uh, I, I heard this, this paranoid strain musical. It's a rock opera is literally what it is. It's a rock opera. It sounds amazing. Like, I don't know what loss, you know, loss of gain, whatever the fuck, anything that any bad thing that happens here in the uh in you know when you hear my show i still think you see, you hear me okay but i'm recording through a laptop and a microphone now you guys uh when you hear what he did he went into a studio with a band and it just the the quality of sound is you know what i think he called neil young and they did it on a pono a pono whatever the fuck uh because it is it is ridiculously rich and detailed and it, it it sounds like a fucking cd like from a band it sounds amazing um, it's, you know what? There's, there's, I, I describing it to you. It's literally a rock opera. Uh, as he got together with the, with the, the, you know, the paranoid strain orchestra and they, they put on, first of all, there's soundscapes all through the goddamn thing. There's, uh, first of all, you hear temples of syrinx on the radio as they're scrolling through a car radio from 1979. Um, the, the, I, I'm not, nothing I say will make any sense. So I'm just going to say things that, that are in the show itself. The Chads, Corona Racha, Putin Polka, Synchronize Your Swatches, Thickerts, 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 Quantum Malarkey, 1488. Like all, all of this is involved. Uh, it's very Zappa. I will tell you this. I, I, it really rang true of Zappa for me when I heard it. I was like, this is such a fucking Zappa. And I, I don't even know if, if, 
Jesuit would consider that a compliment, but I hope he does because I consider it to be an incredibly high compliment because it's working from the top of its intelligence. It's silly. It's nonsense. Now, look, is there a lot of scat talk in some parts? Yes. Do I care for that? No. But I also recognize the talent involved in what they were doing. And, and I had to ask him, I go, are these guys improving their parts? And he's like, no, I wrote it. He wrote all of this stuff and some of the stuff they interjected, but, but this is all scripted. Like everything is written and it's fucking, it's brilliant, man. Uh, there's an unearned shot at Wesley Snipes, quite frankly. I don't know why they had to take down Wesley, but you know what? If, if you want to do that, if that's what brings you to greatness, then go ahead and make it happen. Uh, Jesuit sings on this goddamn thing. Jesuit sings. Uh, you know, you'll hear about Daniel Arizona. It's got a brilliant little wraparound conceit where in the beginning and the end, they kind of match up. It's very much like the wall, which is actually referenced within the show itself. Uh, Dana has a song. Dana sings, and that's fucking amazing. I, I can't. My mouth is drying out. I I can only describe it to you as an unbelievable audio soundscape that's over two hours long and is all interconnected and tells a story. And you should check it out. And it's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's amazing. These are and I I I'm overselling the goddamn thing. I've I've literally listened to it two and a half times. And I say two and a half times because I listened to it twice. And then the the third time I listened, I would fast forward to certain songs that I like. Um, the first hour closes with this amazing instrumental that I actually want a copy of. And I think Jesuit said eventually he's going to release it track by track because people were asking him to do that. So, um, and look, I'm familiar, you know, David does such amazing musical work when he does the interludes and also on his own show, you hear him doing fucking amazing musical stuff. So I'm always gobsmacked when I hear people doing things that I can't do and I have no musical talent whatsoever. And to hear this, uh, this entire production that Jesuit wrote and, and enlisted the help of the orchestra. And they have, there's gotta be 15 different musical styles they go with here. There's country, there's punk, there's, there's pop. It's just, it's a, it's an achievement. And I, and I say that, and also I will tell you this, uh, I'm in it. Okay. Uh, I make a guest appearance as, uh, Alex Jones and he made me sound super fucking cool. I don't, I, it's just this weird effect where it's just, there's this music kind of chug chugging and my rant is over it and it's, and he wrote it. I didn't make anything up. Uh, he wrote that and I just, you know, I delivered his lines and, uh, did the best as I could to be Alex Jones. But I'll tell you what, like whenever I do them, I send them and I go, I, you know, I don't know if I sound that great. And he's like, no, it's fucking perfect. And then when I listen back to it, what he does with it, he makes me sound fucking really good. And he made me sound like Alex Jones, which was wild. Now, I, and I will tell you this, the guy who plays the main, main character in, in the entire story, he should be Alex Jones. Cause this dude actually sounds like Alex Jones when he's talking. And I'm like, that guy could be the Alex Jones, but I guess he probably wanted to get a different voice in the mix because this dude is, you know, he's all over the goddamn thing. So you can't have him doing multiple parts, but boy, oh boy, he really sounds like Alex Jones, but it doesn't matter because dude, I did, an Alex Jones rant that was written for me by, by, by Jesuit. And it just fucking, it sounds so cool with the fucking music you put behind me and you should check it out. It's really good. So it's the paranoid strain musical 9116. It's a rock opera. It's available wherever you get your finer podcasts, Spotify. Like I said, he's doing heavy work on Spotify. Um, and I can't thank him enough because he's written me and I've, you know, I've told you this before. I've written him and gone, Hey man, I am, I'm, I'm embarrassed by what's going on, but I'm trying to dig out. And he's been crazy understanding because he's my friend above all. And, uh, that, and that's, you know, I love him and, and he's really, 
He's just been good to me. So thank you, uh, Jesuit. You know that you're hearing it. And he just texted. He's like, when's your flight? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, just, I sent him a picture of the blue lines and I go, the show's done. I'm just, I'm just about to do plugs. And he's like, all right, cool. And he's still texting me, which I don't know why he is. I just told him I'm doing the fucking plugs. Put your phone down. God damn it. Hey, I'm part of the Misfit Toys Co-op. There's Never Not Funny. There's Doug Loves Movies. There's the Todd Glass Show. There's No Fun with Jen Kirkman and Anxiety Bites with Jen Kirkman. And Let Me Watch Your Movie with You with Jonah Ray and me. Hi. That's the, the 40-Year-Old Boy Podcast. Uh, did you know I'm on Cameo? Well, I am. God damn it. You can get me on Cameo. Uh, I don't think you'd want to. Why do you want to hire me? I haven't done anything for a month, but I'm out there if you want to find me. Book Cameo.com or put the Cameo up on your phone and look me up. Uh, <laughs> look at me. I, Cause I'm embarrassed to even tell you to send me money. I mean, but what the hell I got a tax bill to pay. So I'll fucking, I'll, I'll plunge right in. Uh, you know, there's a, uh, if you go to Mike there's a little PayPal button up in the upper right hand corner. Uh, it says donate. It's a little horn boy and you can send me money that way, or you can become a patron at Patreon. Thank you to everybody who's done that. I do appreciate it very much. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. I've given you no reason to remain Patreon uh, patrons, but you still do, and you it's amazing to me. Thank you for anybody who stuck around. And the people who left, I understand. Uh, I, I wish you didn't, and I wish I didn't put you in that position, but... Uh, thank you for the support you gave me for as long as you did. Super cool. I appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. That exists. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, why am I hustling? Because it's 7 o'clock a.m. And I have to. I have a cab coming at 8. And I still have to shower. God damn it. Uh, you know, I have channels that you can check out. YouTube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. That's the YouTube channel. And that's got all the archives for the podcast. And then Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. And that's me broadcasting all the time. Now, I am out of town this week. So you won't be seeing me on there, but I will tell you that you can check me out virtually any other time. And if you go there now, you can watch older broadcasts of me shooting people in the face with shotguns as a, as a fucking uh, cowboy. That's fun. Don't you want to see me as a cowboy? I'll tell you this. I want to be a cowboy and you can be my cowgirl. Uh, so there you go. Check me out at twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy, right? Did I, did I say that correctly? Twitch.tv. Let me, where did I, did I lose it? No, it's twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. Again, I haven't done this in a while, but we'll be back next week and we'll do it. Now let's talk about that for a second. Uh, I'm in Chicago. By the time you hear this, probably I'll be in Chicago. So I'm in Chicago this week and I'm performing in Zanies. That's uh, Wednesday, February 2nd. Through Sunday, February 6th, I am there. Downtown Chicago, Wednesday. Downtown Chicago, Sunday. Rosemont, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. My brother Lenny is there with me, and he is recording his new album on uh, Saturday. Uh, This one is the first song on our new album. It just came out this week, and the song is called Surrender. He is uh, whatever. So he's recording and I'm going to be recording audio that night. I think we'll see what happens. It all depends on what his people do and if they got that set up and they're willing to do it. Uh, But come and check us out. And I will tell you this. If you want to buy tickets to see me in Chicago, see me and Lenny in Chicago or just see Lenny in Chicago, you can come late. Uh, Use the code Schmidt. Go to buy tickets and use the code Schmidt. You'll save a little dough. Uh, I feel safe releasing that now because Lenny's like, don't tell people until, you know, it gets close to showtime. Well, it's close to showtime. So if you're in Chicago, you want to come to any of the shows downtown Zanies on Wednesday, Rosemont Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then downtown again on Sunday. Now, I'll tell you this. I am fucking I don't know what it's going to be like because a, you know, 
I haven't been on stage since July and I did well then. And I was really excited. Remember I came home all excited. I'm like, let's go, man. Here we go. Let's do comedy. And then I shut those blinds and hid and hid. So hopefully this week gives me a launching pad again. It's February 1st. Why? Let's reboot man. It's first of the month. Just like we're going to reboot on January 1st. Remember that? And also December 1st. Oh, wasn't that good? <laughs> July 1st. I got a lot of fucking landmark dates for rebootings, but, uh, let's call this February 1st. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's have some hope. Let's make this happen. Shall we? I think we should. Um, so go check me out. I'll be in Chicago this week at Zany's Tuesday. <clears throat> no, I'm flying Tuesday. I'm on there Wednesday, Sunday, downtown Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Rosemont. Um, check it out. I want to say a special thank you to a couple of guys. Uh, my good friend, John Conway, who has reached out to me in the past and he sent me a, uh, <laughs> You know how people like stitch things like they make a a throw pillow or whatever the fuck. I don't. He just sent me a thing and it just says uh, <laughs> he his what he wrote me. It says nostalgia and pussy make the world go around, which I have said on the show. Nostalgia is nostalgia and pussy rule the world. And he made me an actual throw cloth with it on there. And it doesn't say pussy. It has a picture of a cat because uh, I'm assuming they wouldn't do it at the booth. Like when I tried to get fuck chick hoop on a hat and they wouldn't do that. Those dicks. Um, but yeah, so, uh, amazing. Thank you, John. You're so nice to think of me and so nice to send that along. And I want to talk about our friend, Steve Warren, uh, Stephen Warren, I guess is his full name. Um, I got a package in the mail, open it up and it is a, uh, it's a book and I'm like, who sent me a book? And it's David Sedaris, dress your family in corduroy and denim. Now, I I love me talk pretty uh, one day. Uh, I I think David Sedaris is fucking hysterical, right? I don't know if I've talked about him on the show, but I, I enjoy his work. And so I get this book and then I, I'm like, who would send me a book? And then I open it up and there's a note in it. And it says, Mike, I don't know where you're at with David Sedaris, but the dude was right next to me. So I had him sign this book to you. Thanks for another year of giving voice to my frustrations and validating my illogical hopes. Destroy all monsters. Stephen Warren. Uh, amazing that he would give me this nice note and get me a book, but, uh, he also had him sign the book and it says to Mike, I care, I guess David Sedaris. And, uh, again, I am, I am fried these days. Uh, any, any act of kindness is enough to turn me into a goddamn puddle. And this did. Steven, you're you're amazing to think of me. And uh, and then again, with the the you care, everybody cares to, to play into that and have him sign. I just I can't tell you enough uh, how much it means to me for you to think of me and send me that book. So, Stephen, thank you. Uh, I'm going to look forward to reading it. I'm so happy for the note and uh, and the fact that you would even think of me. And again, it's I closed the Christmas show when I was like, you know, Luna sent me the box that had the the amazing patterns burned into it of, of the Twitch stuff. And, and I was like, she, she's listening. Someone is listening to what I say. And then I went and hit again for a month. Cause I'm, I, it's, I gotta be honest. I, it's a real struggle for me and I'm fighting. I am fighting. I know it doesn't sound like I am, but I am. Uh, and then to get this book is another joy, another gift from someone to know that they're thinking of me and to get the thing from John. He's listening to me. These are my words. And, and, I have to keep telling myself that you're listening and you care and it's, and I, I will do my best and you don't need to hear me pep talk myself. I apologize. I don't mean to be that guy, but, but thank you to all of you who have reached out, who texted, who sent notes. I haven't answered sometimes. Some of them I haven't read because if I read them, then I have to answer them and I feel terrible because I don't have an answer for you. It's just, it's amazing and really 
I can't tell you enough how much you mean to me. You know this. So John and Stephen, thank you for thinking of me. Everybody who's texted me, everybody who's reached out. We're going to do our best to be on a regular pattern. Talk is cheap. Just make it work. Uh, and I'm now I'm off to Chicago, and I have no... Uh, this is funny. There's a fucking snowstorm coming to Chicago. Like starting today, it's going to be raining all day, but then tomorrow, uh, anywhere from six to 10 inches of snow tomorrow. And it could be two feet over the course of three days. And I mean, I have to drive downtown from fucking Naperville. Like dudes. And also dudes, I don't have a fucking coat. Like it's not even about driving in this weather. I don't have a fucking coat. So I'm going to have to be, I, I guess I'll wear a hoodie. I don't, I don't fucking know, man. And my blood went thin anyway from moving to fucking LA. So even if it's like fucking 30 degrees, I'm like, man, it's cold, but that's okay. It's only a week, but snow dudes. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in the snow. I'm sure there'll be some story, but I wrapped the fucking car around a guardrail and got, I just, I hope not, man. I fucking hope not. Uh, but that's, that's what I'll do. And cause again, I'm expecting that. It's a weird thing to be like that now where I'm expecting those sorts of things to happen. And I was never like that. I've never been this gun shy dude. It's, it's strange. I can't explain it. What the fuck was that? Holy shit. I moved something. All right. I'm just, all right. I got to tell you what that was. I have a button that was given to me by a guy named Ruben for the Twitch channel. And it's just a button that says Australian phrases. If you press it and I accidentally pressed it now as I was moving a pad of paper. I was like, all right, I have the book, the dress, your family and quarter and denim with two pads of paper. And I went to stack them, but it looked like it was going to fall off. So when I shifted it, it hit the button. You oh my God. Now I'm a morning zoo. Holy fuck. Uh, that was terrible. I can't believe that happened. Dude, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you a story here. This will show you what kind of a basket case I've been. This, maybe this will give you some insight. Uh, I went to a Jack in the box, which alone that, and that alone should be a flag, a red flag, but I went to a Jack in the box, right? And I go to the drive through. And I ordered a couple of breakfast things, whatever the fuck, I get a coupon. And uh, I pull up to the window, and the woman opens the window, and she's like, 987. And I, and I knew, because she had told me on the speaker in the back, so I was ready. And I had a 10, and then uh, I was fishing out some change, and I go, here you go. And I, I handed her 12 cents, and then I handed her a $10 bill. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, I go, thanks. She goes, she hasn't given me my food yet, and she just kind of stared at me. And she's like, Okay. And then she goes to the register and she pushes the buttons or whatever. And then she gives me back my 12 cents and then hands me 13 cents. I go, what are you doing? And she goes, well, I don't know why you're giving me money. You gave me a $10 bill. I go, yes, but I gave you 10, 12 because it was nine eighty seven. She goes, yeah, but $10 covers it. I go, I know, but I don't, I don't want three pennies. I don't want a dime and three pennies. I want a quarter. So that's why I gave you, you know, this, this money back. I gave you 12 because my change was going to be 13. So 25, I would get a quarter and I'm not kidding. She looked at me for like five seconds, just quiet, silent. <laughs> just closes the window right in my face. <laughs> just closes the window. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like what? And just straight face and just walked away. And so I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I wait and there's guys behind me waiting to get their food. And, uh, I reached out and I, 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 cause I felt terrible. Like I wasn't trying to humiliate her or, or be mean. I just wanted a fucking quarter. It's all I wanted. 
And I, I know in these, I, I try to be kind to service people because I know all the shit with COVID and everything is bad and people yell at those people all the time. I've worked in those jobs. It's fucking exhausting and frustrating, but I didn't do anything. I felt, but and so I felt bad and I'm in a position now where I feel bad anyway and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings about anything and I don't want to be, so I, I'm sitting there and I just fucking, I reached out and I knock on the window and she doesn't answer and so I knock again she comes over and she opens the window and she goes, yes. And I go, are you mad at me? And she looks at me and she goes, sir, you're, you're holding up the line. I go, I know, but are you mad at me? Like, why would you be mad that I gave you change? I just wanted a quarter. I wasn't trying to make you feel silly. And I, I'm explaining myself to the woman at the Jack in the box when I didn't do anything fucking wrong. I gave her change to get change to get a quarter because I didn't want fucking pennies. I didn't do anything. And I and she didn't even do anything wrong either, I guess, really. It was just a miscommunication, but I felt so bad. And I feel so bad these days about everything all the fucking time that I waited. I knocked on the window twice. Uh, and then she, are you mad at me? Like I'm this shrunken, no confidence fucking husk. I don't, I don't know how to explain what I've become. It's fucking crazy. Like I used to walk around cocking the walk and I didn't fucking care. It's big swinging dick. Let's make fun of fucking everything. And I was ready to go. Bing, 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 fucking ready to fire. And now I'm like meekly asking if the Jack in the box woman is mad at me because I gave her 12 cents and I'm, I drive. And then also then I didn't insist on the quarter. I kept my pennies like a quiet little nebbish and I fucking drove back to my house. The fuck is wrong with me, man? I got to fucking emerge from this. I got to fucking, like I said, I got to be Monarch Schmidt. Climb out of the fucking chrysalis and become the big butterfly again. I gotta fucking spread my fucking wings like Freddie Mercury, the feather who fronts Queen. Let's fucking spread our wings and fly. Come on, man. Let's fucking make it happen. You can do this.